Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From 
the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of Four Center is a deep dive. We're going to be diving deep into the great High Republic novel, The Rising Storm, by Kevin Scott. Very excited to dive. I'm Joseph Scripshaw. I'm Ken Nabzog. It's our review, our discussion, and this one, I guess, is on time for uh, roughly the book release, Joseph. Usually, we, we, we traditionally, our book discussions come out a bit later, but we, we've had this book in our hands, and we wanted to get it out, and, and once you pick, pick it up, you kind of can't stop reading. Absolutely not, and that's one of the things we'll definitely be discussing. Uh, this one grabs you and does not want to let go. Uh, so hopefully, uh, I think a lot of people have, have been excited for it and probably got it uh, the day it came out. Uh, but as always, if you haven't read it or listened to it yet, uh, we do full spoilers. Uh, we often start our conversation with what happens on the last page of the book. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, uh, we have an offer for you, in fact. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook down Download in 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, or all of them if you own all those things. We are recommending the book that we are discussing today, The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. If you haven't checked it out and you want to, uh, stop this podcast. Go get this on Audible, listen to the whole thing, and then come right back here. You will be listening to Star Wars Thoughts for hours and hours and hours. If you want to do that, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. And we do have another offer. We do indeed. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and more in the pop culture world, is offering 35% off the, across their entire website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35, FC35, or visit the website with this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi, which is also related to to this novel that we're reviewing here today. Check it out with the code FC35. Uh, there you go. Some deals for our listeners and friends, Joseph. This is really great because I think one of the things that the High Republic is uh, all about in storytelling is this idea that things are connected, all things all people can be connected. And so far, all of our plugs are very connected to what we're talking about today, which is great. Uh, we're going to dive in, like we said, uh, full spoilers, but we're going to start a uh, big picture. Ken, what is your big picture reaction to this novel? Love it, like it, struggle with it. What happened? Uh, what happened indeed? Well, I'll start even before the novel fell into my uh, greasy hands here. <laughs> I uh, Big anticipation for this one. We No secret, we here for Center of just... Really love what's been going on with the High Republic era, uh, the world they're building 200 years prior to any previous time we'd really explore, explored a modern canon. So I was like, this one is the continuation of, in a way, of Light of the Jedi, right? This is kind of the adult novel for Star Wars, which I used would make a joke about, ooh, adult, but then this book came out and now it actually makes even more sense. Uh, <laughs> so I was really excited. Anticipation high. Plus, I love Kevin Scott, love his, uh, his previous work, love the comics. I have a slight uh, problem with Kevin Scott for making me care about Jackson. I'm working <laughs> through that, but he's done a great job there. So at the end of the day, all that to say, Joseph, I really love what I got. Really love what's here. Really love the stuff that's resonated has hit me on, uh, you know, personal levels, which is why I love uh, diving into Star Wars stories. Plus, I think it successfully has uh, continued to move this era forward. Does that sound like a generic reviewer's sentence? It does, but it also has great meaning. 
<laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, I think you're right to sort of uh, tee it up. Uh, Light of the Jedi was the big, by Charles Soule, was the big kickoff. Uh, we really, really loved that one, really responded to it. And all of the different comics and the different books at different, you know, in the industry reader levels, I think they're all telling a good story together and you can read them all together. But it's feeling like what the plan is, is these uh, big uh, adult <laughs> releases are the ones that are kind of going to tell the big picture story. You know, mm -hmm. we got the the whole uh, big uh, incident in hyperspace uh, at Hetzel in the first book. And now this we have the fair. So this is really in some ways kind of a sequel to a continuation uh, to Light of the Jedi. And I think for me, uh, definitely anticipating as well, love all of Kevin Scott's work and really love Light of the Jedi. I was delightfully surprised by this in that I think it did continue that big, um, big picture story. I think this book in particular really delivered to me what I was excited about for the High Republic, which is uh, the the just a huge amount of Jedi, right? But mm -hmm. specifically, this book delivered on the fun fantasy of Jedi, of knights with fantastic powers, and the philosophy of Jedi, of we are trying to walk this path that is very difficult. In this book, just so delivered on both the fantasy and the philosophy of tons of Jedi in action. Like, you know, me as a kid, just loving Luke Skywalker and going, What's it like when there are hundreds of them? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, the the prequels show us a version of that, and these novels can show us an even, in some ways, more in-depth version of, but there are hundreds of Luke Skywalkers, thousands of Luke Skywalkers, <laughs> using Luke Skywalker as a generic term for Jedi. Yes. Um, so I really love that. Um, and then I also just love that it was a, a truly different experience of reading a Star Wars book. Um, mm -hmm because it was structured differently. This book to me was like a bomb that you knew was going to go off because the Republic fair is not just going to be like, and everybody had a happy fair <laughs> and the end. Right. Um, so you, there's so much build up to the fair and this great sense of building dread and doom. So this whole book to me is like a bomb with a long fuse and when it finally explodes, I had to go back and mark it because it was such a you know great experience, an interesting experience. Uh, that explosion goes off for 132 pages. Yeah, it is on page 208 that Bell senses, oh, the Nile have come to the fair. It is page 340 uh, where Stellan is weeping while holding Lena. So, uh, mm -hmm. and that there's no respite. Right, we don't cut yeah. to something peaceful going on anywhere else so it is kind of remarkable to have 132 pages in this edition of straight chaos horror and heroism and what i enjoyed about that is this was a a, a book that kind of forces you at least this was my experience to feel what the characters feel to feel the story as much as to, you know, just absorb it or intellectualize it, but to feel it because there are these short, punchy chapters throughout this great adventure serial style, but also just there's too much going on to pay attention to. Not mm. not too much going on to pay attention to in in the sense of like, I what did I just read? But um, it's overwhelming and you don't know what's going to come at you next. And the way it is is written it, with no respite makes you feel the chaos and the horror that the Nile wants you to feel, but then you also feel that joy 
those moments where the Jedi break through and save someone and make a difference. Yeah, all well said, because I, I think I actually said out loud, my dog heard me. I said, here we go when it starts. <laughs> uh, and I was really excited for it to start in a way, meaning you, 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 like you said, what, 208 pages of set, not just setting the scene in some generic kind of way, but just really taking the time. This is a great use of the medium. Uh, this, uh, you can't really do this in films uh, as, as much, I think, but, but the anticipation of battle, uh, Return of the King comes to mind. Some stuff in Two Towers and Lord of the Rigs. Uh, Game of Thrones, the final battle with the Night King, kind of, you know, have an episode to kind of wait and get through it. And the, but you know everything's coming, right? And it's right when it, when it starts in, the, in those other properties. You, you, it's fun as a viewer or reader to, be, oh, here we go. But like you said, I can't imagine it's going to be all roses here. So I, that really worked for me where the first part of this book really takes its time to set up. Uh, and there's might be a couple moments of like, uh, where me personally, I'm like, okay, okay, uh, let's get going. Let's get going. Let's start fighting. But then, oh, we're going to spend some time over here. And then it all comes together. Uh, and, and then you, you, what you just described is, is feeling the characters and understanding their journeys a little bit more. It's, that's a great use of the medium to tell this big fight. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's well done that there are like there's moments of action during that long fuse period before the bomb goes off. Yeah. Uh, So you feel that like, yeah, remember that this is the kind of galaxy where Bell can feel like he's got a handle on everything. And then, bam, he gets hit in the gut with a harpoon. And it's a great way to tell you, like, uh, just just wait a little while. We are really setting the table. We're really letting you uh, know these characters. And then this book is going to hit you all in the gut with an emotional harpoon. (laughs) Yeah. one other uh, big picture thought for me is I really like to see Star Wars have different genres influence it. Like Star Wars is always Star Wars. Um, but a part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars is pulling from different ideas. And this movie or this movie, this book, because it spent so long in just unflinching tragedy and horror, uh, it reminded me of like old disaster movies like uh, The Towering Inferno or The Poseidon Adventure meet star wars you know yeah yeah especially the chaos of it especially the anytime someone would there be, be moments of pause where they look out and just kind of describe or feel or experience the the damage going on and even even from the niles point of view and in it, in it, you felt those moments yeah and just like all we want to do is get off the ship but we can't get down the hall now we can't get down the elevator now we can't get the door open now we can't get the ship started it is it really gives you that sense of a uh, horror and, and claustrophobia of truly being in the middle of a massive tragedy. Uh, and I think that was interesting to, to bring that, that mood and that feeling uh, into Star Wars in such a big way. And then the other thing for me is um, I think Kevin Scott is a great author. And one of the reasons that I love his work on Star Wars is that he, to my aesthetic or to my opinion, he brings some of his other uh, work and his other clear loves into Star Wars. Um, there's some characters that it, for me totally fit star wars uh but have a little bit of the the wild imagination that doctor who often has and, and kevin mm-hmm. scott has worked in doctor who uh, kevin scott has uh, started the uh, that uh tales from vader's castle uh mm-hmm. stories he's you know clearly a fan of horror in cosmic horror in particular and you get things like uh the at the beginning uh we get elzar man checking the gagarin codex an ancient grimoire and uh as it turns out the leveler is this you know very unknowable cosmic horror lovecraftian type beast so you get these different flavors uh within star wars which just makes the star wars of it richer to me yeah you know it's uh it's funny because all through this, there were so many times where I'm like, well, that's a 
It's a real crazy uh, kind of alien species. That's a that's a gelatinous <laughs> creature in a that's a Jedi, like all this kind of thing that was uh, totally fits with Star Wars, but totally the detail, uh, the detail of some of the characters. Uh, Quinn Amarant uh, pops to mind of just his arms, his clackers, everything about it. It was uh, you could tell Kevin Scott was having fun with it. I, I think it's a great point you made there. Yeah, yeah. And then my last big picture reaction is even if I uh, didn't like this book, which I did, it would be all worth it for Orbelin, the uh, the mucus in a suit Jedi. Uh, yeah. D- great, great. Uh, I'll be saying some more about Orbelin, but I, I really enjoyed Orbelin. Yeah. Uh, you got mucus in a sh- suit? Don't worry. Don't worry. The Jedi got something for you. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so one of the big differences, I think, in High Republic storytelling from other eras of Star Wars publishing in particular is that almost anyone could die, right? Um, was death and the threat of it effective in this book? Uh, were you moved? Were you scared for specific characters? Were you surprised by injuries and death? How did that part of the High Republic, the promise of anyone can die, how did that work for you? It, it's it's working. It keeps working. It, it's just a simple little trick. But there was moments where I was worried for Bell Zetifar, not not even early in the book, but later in the book, right? Where where I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, he seems like they've invested in this character for on the long term, right? But I would have thought that about a couple, uh, at least one other big character than this uh, we'll get to. Yes, we're talking about spoilers, but we'll get to. Uh, you know, so so yeah, is it is it effective? It really is working because we, we don't know anything. And now that... Um, complaint sometimes we hear or sometimes it's brought up of uh you know plot armor and, and that happens in every franchise star wars too i understand but also or the idea of uh we already know their end they are gonna die why do i, why do I want a, a tv series diving into that character all valid maybe concerns to some folks uh, out, out the window here and each page each chapter each big moment it does it does work and i am surprised by some of the characters that uh, go yeah, I think I felt a similar thing. I, I was really sort of, I definitely had the the fear of death, but also just the fear of pain because there was a willingness to put characters uh, through absolute hell, right? Uh, so that really worked for me. But getting toward the end of the book, uh, there's the big explosion at the fair and, uh, you know, a lot of people make it through and then you're kind of worrying like, but there's a lot of book left that it feels like the hammer is going to come down at the end, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so as I was reading that, getting into like the, there's going to be this other, you know, other explosion going on if at the end that they don't uh, anticipate. Yeah. I really started to feel like for Elzar or Stellan, are we looking at a Ned Stark situation mm-hmm. <laughs> where the power is turning the narrative on the head of like, well, it looks like we've totally invested in this character in this perspective. So they have plot armor, right? I was wondering if that could happen to Elzar or Stellan. Um, yeah. And I had that same fear exactly as you as Bell. But then there was just something for me about Bell that Star Wars is such a story of the next generation that mm-hmm. I felt like Bell is going to he, he he's the he, the story of, that's been told about him about not that many people really kind of know who he is. He's a Padawan, you know, <laughs> but yes. people keep meeting him and being impressed by him and he keeps finding his way back to the light that it felt like. Yeah. I don't oh, know if that's yeah. that it, it seems a little grim dark to take uh, Bell out just thematically. Yeah, no, which, which uh, uh, to your question is, is, is part of why it's definitely working for me. But I think you're right. There's so many, it almost was funny to me of, uh, and who, Bell, what's his name? I've heard his name. Zed, oh, Zeddy, that's right. That's right. There's a lot of those moments with the characters, which, uh, it, it, you know, is uh, funny. But also, uh, I think you're right. This is, a, this is a first round draft pick. This is a kid you're going to build a franchise around. Uh, and I love, uh, love that idea about Bell. 
Yeah, yeah. And then my other thought is, uh, final, final spoiler warning for anybody who doesn't think we mean it. This is literally the last page of the book, and I'm going to say it. Uh, I did experience some tragedy in our uh, discussions of uh, Light of the Jedi. Uh, we talked about all the Jedi that we loved, and I liked a lot of them. I really did. But I was like, you know what? If I needed an action figure right now of one of these characters, it would be Loden Greatstorm. He was so great. Uh, and then, of course... <laughs> <laughs> he died. Uh, there's going to be an action figure of battle damaged uh, Loden. Um, yeah, I did feel Loden's death coming, and I was okay with it. Uh, it, it felt good. It, it felt right. Like I was so yeah. so thrilled by his escaping and by his reconnection with Bell and the meaning of it and the power of it. Uh, and, and some of those moments with Bell and Loden toward the end. I literally cheered like my wife uh, came into the other room because we were both reading in separate rooms and she came in is like, so good things are happening in your book. Cause I heard you cheer. I was like, yeah, it's not going to last though. <laughs> I think it was just really well done to, to make it feel like this book is one where the Jedi are going to suffer. There's going to be a price to be paid and Loden having this wonderful moment of freedom and connection felt like it's going to be pulled out from under him. And it, yeah. it was, it, it made the death easier for me to take and felt right. Uh, 100%. So I, I wouldn't say I was uh, caught off guard by it. I wouldn't say that I saw it coming, but there was a couple moments when, you know, first of all, I was, I was like, I was doing a real practical stretch out of his uh, recovering in my head. I was like, all right. So if he gets back to course, what is he going to do? Would they give him some medicine first? I would just want like a big meal and a nap. Let me get there. <laughs> like I literally was just daydreaming out there when I was reading this book. And uh, then there's a couple moments while I'm reading it where, where I'm like, that's so weird that uh, it's almost like back to normal. Bell and Load, what a team! And Bell gets as well. Oh, wait, that can't that can't last. It's when Bell's going like, and and we're gonna get him some prosthetic leku and like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, we're not, Bell. No, we're not. You know, uh, and I don't mean any of this is a criticism. I feel like it is structured well to surprise a, a reader, yeah. uh, depending on how they approach a book, and I think it's. Uh, set up well to give you that sense of dread of like, oh, we want him to survive, but it feels like he isn't. Well, even the 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 reveal, the final pages from Stellan's point of view, you're right. You're almost you got that sense of it's written so well, whether you expect it or not, you just got that sense of no, no. Yeah, here's his comment. Really, really well done there at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last kind of question in our in our big picture overview. Uh, so this is a, a kickoff along with Daniel Jose Older's young reader novel, Race to a Crash Point Tower. This is the kickoff of the second wave of the first phase, phase of the High Republic. Uh, did the book feel like its own story, a chapter in a larger saga? Both. How did you feel about that? Hey, both is a fa fair way to say it. Uh, there is, um, how do I describe it? It's, it's like... Any any season, any new season of Game of Thrones after season one, first episode, maybe sometimes the first two episodes have that like, hey, here's the people you loved where we last left them. Here's some new people. Get to know their names. Write them down. Take notes. That's Dragonstone. That's Stannis. And, and you kind of feel lost at a time or even like, uh, all right, get, get, yeah, get back to the Starks. I know them. And I, and and <laughs> and, and there were the beginning of the book had some of that where you you you're playing catch up and none of this this is how it should be this is an ongoing series and none of it was a problem uh, none of it was overwhelming but just I, I remember about five six chapters in going just ah i i really feel like season two episode one's going on here right now where i i am <laughs> i am being given a new playing playing board and new pieces are being introduced 
and 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 what that does is it makes me feel how much I love the previous books where I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I also want to get to give me more else. Give me where's Ava? Oh, Ava's not in this season. Okay, got it. And, and, and all this, so it feels good. But it, but that that's why I love the High Republic era. Uh, we know it's part of something big, and then you feel it. And this one had a lot of. Now I'm more clued in what they're doing. Where Light of the Jedi, maybe uh, I personally wasn't catching the. Uh, and over there's another story coming soon from Claudia Gray. This one had some very distinct moments of, oh, this young Padawan Rom saved the day. We'll find about that out about that another time. Thanks, Daniel Jose Older. Well, he'll tell that story. And I just was more aware of it, which has actually made it more fun for me. This is really great. Uh, of all of your Game of Thrones comparisons, I think this has been one of your your uh, just chef's kiss, uh, one of your best. Because yeah, it really is. Like we are we're spinning the plates of we're not done telling the stories about the characters you met the first time, but we're adding more characters. And I think what it is for me about what's great about this era is we are telling the story. This whole initiative is telling the story of this era. And there are definitely some main characters, but they could fall off and then other main characters would take their place. And that's, I think, what's, you know, making it different than, say, um, you know, the Skywalker saga or even the new Jedi Order where, you know, you're still going to be centered around Mm -hmm. the Skywalkers and the characters, you know, from the movies. Right. That this really is the story of an era. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, for me, for this book, yeah, this one absolutely did feel like, yes, it is its own story. Uh, this is the one where the fair gets attacked. <laughs> you know, that's what happens in this book and the ramifications are set. Uh, yeah. But it also really felt like a chapter. You know, it, it felt very much like a the dark second chapter of a trilogy of let's really uh, torture mm-hmm. these people. And and I don't know if, it's, it, if it is like for the first phase of the High Republic. Yeah. This is the middle adult book, you know, and then we'll go on to the second phase. It's it's hard to know, but it definitely did feel like a let's torture them uh, to really take them to the to an extremely low place that they can try to climb up from. Um, and then I think just from a, you know, talking to other people about it, recommending it like Light of the Jedi is just like one of those great like, hey, you want to come in new to Star Wars? This is a brand new era. And the Rising Storm had some great recaps to just yeah. remind you of some of the characters some of the situation uh at the time so it it brings you in well if you read light last jedi or light of the jedi um mm-hmm. but at the same time like this this book is not a jumping on point it, it is the nature of this uh high republic storytelling initiative but it did really affect me of like you can't you cannot just pick up the rising storm you know yeah. <laughs> and that's the way the high republic is going to be of like if you want to ju- jump on great try light of the Jedi because this is not a jumping on point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair to say, which is, I think what what they, what they would want. Yeah. I mean, I've recommended light of the Jedi to so many people who are like, I'm looking for a star Wars book. I'm like, jump in here. Uh, would I do it, do that with this? Not necessarily, but that's again, to your point, it's what they're trying to do and they're doing it very well. Yeah. Agreed. So let's get into some of the themes, some of the big ideas. Uh, we, we sometimes kind of bat things around. Uh, sometimes for some of these larger, more complex novels, I try to write up what I feel like is really going on and, and uh, ask some questions about it so we can bat back and forth. And uh, I will also, of course, ask you, Ken, uh, as we wrap up our theme discussion, if there's anything else that you feel like you wanted to pull out of here. Uh, so with that in mind, I felt like the big idea, the big thing that's in stake in this novel is very explicit in a great way. And that is this idea of unity versus lost connection Uh, from the big picture to the small picture, macro to micro. The book tells stories of horror that happen to isolated people 
in stories of success uh, when people can work together. And this is, of course, continuing on from the ideas that are set up in Light of the Jedi and all the other High Republic books about this Chancellor Alina So, who is really trying to get everybody on board this delicate belief that we are stronger together, that we are all the Republic. And then, of course, having uh, the Nile and the Drenger and lots of other uh, entities who want to attack that idea. So uh, first, I wanted to talk about some of the the big picture ideas of unity versus lost connection, right? Of yeah. the fair itself is a blatant celebration of unity. You know, there's no digging for it. it, it there's a unity arc. <laughs> there's that great bit about the unity in, in song. Un, song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's this is what Lena So is trying to do. It's one of her great works of, I'm going to literally bring us together. I'm going to share different cultural uh, and, and even environments of different uh, parts of the galaxy together and show, yay, we can all be together. This is great. Uh, then we have this great moment of contrast where, uh, Markian Rowe is feeling a little threatened in his leadership of the Nile and realizes he really needs to push back and, and bring all of these uh, these uh, raiders, these warriors together. And he brings the Nile together under his leadership with the promise to attack the fair, <laughs> kill so, destroy unity. Uh, so it is a kind of unity that he's offering by destroying unity. Um and then another kind of big picture thing for me is just the existence of the Nile, the way they operate. Uh, their actual attack is isolating, right? Um, they literally cut off communication on Valo, the the home planet of the fair, uh, the location of the fair. So there's that literal loss of connection with the rest of the galaxy. And then their actual battle tactics, right, is to uh, put out the, the gas, the speakers pumping the music so you can't focus and connect with anybody else you can't think you can't see other people you are isolated and alone and then this idea even gets furthered in the Nile's actual internal philosophy that they're working together but they are constantly betraying one another and that's happening a lot in this book of the different leaders jockeying for position and wondering which <laughs> which person to betray when for the ultimate benefit Versus the Jedi facing all of this pain and fear and trying so hard to work together because they know if we're not isolated, if we're connected, if we have unity, that's when everything works. So those are my uh, big picture how this theme of unity and lost connection is is functioning in uh, in the story. I got some specific questions, but first I just want to bat it back at you and ask if you have any big thoughts about that. Uh, no, I, uh, first of all, I, 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 I'm, I'm not joking at all. I, uh, you probably wrote the best book reports in school, and I hope you <laughs> charge people to steal uh, to good money to steal them from you. Um, no, I say this because uh, for me personally, uh, I, sometimes the way life goes and everything, you know, reading Star Wars books, you know, you, you, you take a note, so you rush through it, and then uh, you're able to just extrapolate the, the wonderful themes and lay, lay them down. It makes it so so much easier, not just to discuss it as a podcaster, but to digest it as, as a fan. So, uh, number one, I appreciate that. I want to give you credit for that because this is this is a great – it just really puts it on the table. Here's what's going on and the spirit of unity. By the way, the unity and song thing is great. I just imagine Kevin Scott writing around It's a Small World <laughs> 20 times to get the feel of how to put that in the book. Um, it's so good. It's so funny. It's so good. Uh, yeah, so this is all – it's all very clear – Right. It's such a clear goal, but for the characters, not just the book and then how everyone looks at that unity and everyone deals with the idea of unity and how you fight against it or you work with it or how you feel you're working with it. But maybe you're working against 
big, wonderful questions we're going to dive into. Uh, all uh, put out in this what, what I love, what I've been dying just to, to get people on board for in this High Republic era. Lie of the Jedi starts at this. You and I talked about this uh, Kennedy era uh, Camelot and how this we could do great things if we don't, if we fix things or work things, work together, and how uh, just human behavior for us here in the real world is sometimes is naturally just going to fight against that. That's what's going on in the galaxy. So, unity versus lost connection, it's almost. Um, an ideal versus ourselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and I definitely want to get into how that uh, is reflected in the personal journeys of our main characters, but I got some questions for you about these uh, big picture things. Uh, so did you believe in So's unity? Uh, because that's a lot in the first book that, that she's got that great moment uh, in Light of the Jedi where she reflects and knows how fragile it is to convince people that things can be better if you work together, that little things can break it. And she knows what a fragile thing that she is promoting and putting her whole back and her whole career into. Uh, and then she's kind of taking a step forward with her next great work of the fair. And people are concerned about it. Did you feel cynicism? Uh, did you feel fear? Did you feel like Lena So uh, was uh, was giving in to hubris? Were you like all behind her of like, yes, the fair is the right idea. Go for it. Promote unity. Or are you like, oh, Lena, so what have you done? As someone who's grown up hating parades, uh, this is a great question, Joseph, because sometimes uh, uh, I, I, my, my tendency is to feel a little cynicism towards stuff like this. But so all that to say, I feel bad for Lena So in this way, because, uh, you know, she believes this. You know, she wants to do good. And the idea is uh, uh, we are all the republic and the spirit of, of unity. It's more than a catchphrase to her. But you have to kind of package these things as catchphrases, which is going to remove some of the nuance or, or you know, or make it appear as that's the way it's going to go when you're discussing this or trying to put this on a big scale. So I feel sorry for her uh, that, that, that this is going on. There, there's, there's nothing more she can do to make it all work other than to try and there's nothing to curb egocentric souls. And then you have someone like Senator Tatum we're going to discuss, discuss who, who represents uh, to me just kind of uh, go with me here, like a realistic based cynicism, which I want to discuss more on. It's just kind of a topic <laughs> sentence. Um, so because I'm really like want him to help. Um, but uh, there's more there from there. So at the end of the day, I really as a character, I believe in her. I think she's a great character. She's a great leader. We, it gets in the action, rolls up her sleeves. Uh, and she believes it. And that's why it's, she, she's going to take the, the, the slings and arrows and the barbs from her, her uh, those around her who would disagree or fight against it because she knows this is right. It's just a hard path to get there. Yeah, exactly. She knows this is right and it's a hard path to get there. And I do uh, love uh, Senator Toon's uh, maybe political, maybe realistic, maybe sincere, but just really questioning, should we be having a big fair mm -hmm. this soon after a great disaster? Is that a great way to show that the Nile isn't a problem or are you really tempting fate? And given that the book uh, is all about the horrific Nile attack, uh, mm -hmm. you kind of got to debate uh, Toon's perspective, which we'll do. But in terms of like, her great belief that, of course, working together is better. That's such a Star Wars philosophy. It's it's in uh, the Phantom Menace in, in particular, explicitly. It's it's in you know Luke uh, having the compassion to connect with Vader. It's it's everywhere in Star Wars that together is better. Rise of Skywalker is a celebration of this idea. So I feel like in terms of like Star Wars philosophy, uh, you want to be on Lena So's side. I am on Lena So's side uh, in this big philosophical way. Mm -hmm. But the book did such a great job of exactly what you said, Ken, of like in order to get people on board with this 
large, complex, beautiful philosophy. Got to package it and got to sell it. And as soon as I package it and sell it, it risks coming off mm-hmm. totally cheesy, insincere, just a platitude. Yeah. And I love the way the story was told. The United and Song joke is super funny, but it has that great depth because like, that's what happens when a beautiful philosophy has to be pared down into something that sounds like just an annoying earworm of like, you can't possibly really mean that. Uh, you know, the lyrics are, are in the book and are really cheesy, right? Uh, and yeah. it's such a great real world picture of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's daring to believe in yeah. unity and hope and togetherness because they can be just so cheesy and just an insincere platitude. So it's hard to get people to believe in the sincerity of them. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and I have my own lyrics to that song too. Unity for us and unity for you. Yeah, I, I want to sing it too. Uh, yeah, no, but with Tune, we're, I know we're going to talk more about Tune. We, we should, but his ultimate thoughts on how best to to serve the Republic maybe maybe come from a, a spot that makes sense. And I and there's a great twist in what they do with the character. Senator Tune, but but you can't help it just it undercuts and, and I'm like there's a time and a place and I found myself you know uh, I think appropriately frustrated with him at times but it but this is what these books have done so far particularly the Legend of Jedi and now Rising Storm have just taken taken Star Wars in this era and 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 are playing around with with morality and politics and, and and social issues in Star Wars and you can always make connections to the real world or you can just look at them in Star Wars uh, your choice uh, do what you wish but it's very realistic in this mythic star Wars way. And I did, and Kevin Scott hit that out of the park too, just like Charles soul and the other writers have done as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think even took it to this other place where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could feel the strain of, Oh no, this isn't, this is going to not only be attacked, which is going to make people uh, question the unity, but it's right. going to look too, too fake. Uh, you know, that, that strain of it is really great. I really love the moment where uh, I think it was uh, the when the actual like ceremony was beginning. The you know the unity arc uh, was going off. The song was going off, uh, and so is opening the fair with like pomp and per uh, and and pride and and a tear. So you can see like I'm selling the message I have to, but I really mean it. And, and at the same time, you get Stella Stellan thinking, yes, this is right. This is the way the Republic should always be. This is what the Republic's about. This is what the Jedi are about. So you get that great contrast of. They sincerely believe it. It's a great philosophy. It is in so much danger. Yeah, yeah, ominous, ominous. And, and, and the opening, the opening of the the fair, uh, not unlike the uh, opening of of uh, of Olympics, summer winter games. Doesn't matter. I've grown up watching those. My fa- father and I used to watch them, and I used to never want to miss the opening ceremonies, which is weird because I also I never want to see a parade ever again in my life, but. <laughs> It is. It's so over the top. It's it's uh, halftime show cheesy at times. But you have all these great nations marching out as individual nations and individual competitors, but all coming together. The spirit of unity for the world and these great games. And and I I do buy into that. And I can get moved by it. Uh, and not just as a sports fan, but as, as someone uh, kicking around this planet. So I love that moment. I love everything you're talking about it because it is kind of like over. It's, you got this song and it's cheesy. And we're going to commercial break. But like the purpose behind it, if you if if you let it flow into your heart, if if you could take down that cynicism, which is a dangerous just kind of weapon we use against ourselves, I think sometimes uh, it, it can be impactful. And, and, and I love the, the, the using the fair as the backdrop for a lot of what's going on. Yeah, it was such a great idea. Works so well. Let's talk about the dark side version of this. Right. Uh, do you believe that uh, Mark and Rose 
version of Unity uh, can work because he basically gets the Nile to coalesce again, uh, you know, by bonding together in their selfishness. I mean, that's what the Nile are of like, we are all working together to take what we want. Um, but can that work? Can a group bond together in uh, uh, group selfishness, <laughs> mm-hmm. individual selfishness within the group? And, and can groups bond over just a mutual desire to dominate and destroy? So, well, yeah. So, Yes, unfortunately, it can work. But but I, you know, we don't want it to, right? And I, I have, I have Nile thoughts, man. I continue to have Nile thoughts because it's another thing the High Republic era has done so well. And Kevin Scott comes in and adds some new wrinkles to it. I, I was not initially sold on this back in the early when we started hearing about this. So they, Marauders, and and go check our our Light of the Jedi discussion. I think I went into this a little bit more there, but. Yeah, 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 okay, okay, yeah. space pirates, yeah, 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 yeah. and I just kind of uh, brush it off. Outlaws, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so realistic, it's so scary. Um, this is why I really like the Niles, uh, Nile as villains. They, they're the embodiment of the dark side without being the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. Easier, more seductive. So going back to to Tune, uh, uh, on some level, he raises good questions. Well, not agreeing with so, but I, you know, believe in general. Tune seeks unity, his own kind of unity, more on the, the light side of things. We have that discussion in a second. But Roe is playing on the worst in us to tear at that unity. And, and what's he do? He's replacing it with shallow answers, shoving domination to the giant holes in the souls of those he's using. Because what I continue to love about the Nile, to close my uh, Nile monologue, Joseph, um, <laughs> a lot of the Nile, we get, the, we get it here with a lot of the characters, even the new, some of the new Nile that we're learning about. A lot of the Nile have sad backgrounds, pain. Uh, suffering they're all disenfranchised and and each story rings true in a way right and it, and it, so it's not it doesn't start out maybe as a mindless quest for power it doesn't necessarily start there it turns into that because to me they are craving the same connection as, as the characters we love here in the light side as the rest of the galaxy they're craving it they've just chosen the wrong, wrong way to deal with it and star wars does say there are, there are bad choices in life and in Star Wars. And and so therefore they're not connected. There's no family. And Roe is using that, not just for his power, but this, this horrible destruction. Bodies strewn everywhere through this book. Uh, billions dead in the light of the Jedi in previous, you know, the huge numbers. All from him, a, a dangerous leader playing on uh, the actual broken pain, uh, the, the brokenness inside each one of these Nile. Each one of them down from Tempest down to Strike. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great way to say it. And uh, later on in the book, we really start to get a picture of Roe being very similar, just as somebody with uh, with uh, childhood issues, <laughs> somebody who was yeah. treated poorly by their father and is still lashing out and still trying to escape being haunted uh, by, by that individual horror and that individual pain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think what I really loved about seeing that contrast of like, here's this dark side version of unity is seeing that that quicker and easier path to unity of, hey, we all feel uh, that we got, we didn't get a fair shake. Uh, we all feel hurt. So let's all unite beyond this idea that it's somebody else's fault and go get them. Yeah. It, and that it's so sad that it is well known uh, throughout history of, you know, the leader, the people and the other to attack, it mm. create such a, a, a bond that horrible things can be done. Horrible things have been done. And it's such a sort of structure to be aware of. Um, but I also really like that the book does show that it is hard to maintain in the long run. Mm-hmm. That obviously the, these kind of things where a charismatic leader says, are you hurt? Great. You're right to be angry. And it's those people's fault. Go get them. That is terrifyingly effective. But it's hard to maintain because it is based on a unity that is based on anger and distrust 
always points the anger and distrust back into the group, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody in the Nile is actually stronger. Their their numbers are stronger together, but they're not getting any like personal strength from one another. They're all turning on one another. And if like if everything you see in the world, you think every problem can be solved by punching, eventually you are going to punch the person next to you no matter what. You know, and it's a real good like, hey, this is a this is a real introduction to the rule of two. Oh, yeah, it's very similar. And I, going back to even, you know, evoking Luke and Yoda's conversation on Dagobah, that Luke's quite, is the dark side stronger. Yoda says no, but this is how you get there. So, yeah, you hope it doesn't last, but along the way, it takes so many people down. And uh, doesn't uh, how many times does Pan Itya uh, kill or destroy or run away from his own people? <laughs> you know, just yeah, That's his whole thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, great, great vision of the dark side. I think you put it so well. It's uh, they are uh, showing that the dark side is not just something for uh, evil space wizards uh, with red lightsabers. It is it is a cautionary tale for us all. Um, Let's get to to Senator Tia Toon. Uh, So Senator Tia Toon uh, promoting this defense force program. uh, That is he basically argues later in the book, like, look, I got no problem with the Jedi, but I just don't think you're enough. And the Republic should have its own standing army. To defend itself uh is that idea a kind of unity of hey let's the republic let's all work together to have an army of our own or is that a lost connection to you of saying we don't want jedi you go do your thing we're going to do our thing over here it it i'll say kind of right it it, it kind of to, to me feels that way it, it's it's uh I don't know. It's kind of where you know, personal journeys in life can come crashing into Star Wars for me. It's a, it's a slippery slope. I totally get what he's saying. I'm someone who's like, I love, I have a landlord. She's great. I don't want her around. Let me handle it myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not always good. It's not always good. Uh, and so that's why I love how, how the book kind of dealt with it. I've, I've got the around page 90s where he is, Tune is really going into it. He's really, and, and, and he, would I mention a twist, there is a, there's a part of it where he's set up initially, I thought to be more of a, a bad guy in a way. Yeah. Uh, and he has a secret meeting and you're like, Oh, there he is. And then that secret meeting happens. And, and, and that, that, uh, element, the, uh, the, the illegal <laughs> dangerous substance there. And he's like, no against the rules. Well, uh, and also like the, the nullifier is sort of to fight the Jedi. And he's like, I'm not trying to fight the Jedi. Yes. Yes. And that's the twist. And that's just where it, where it saw me and it saw, make me, made me see him in a, in a different light. I don't necessarily know, not a good or bad, but just a different light. It, it made the character more real because then stuff he's saying, you might feel like, you know, all right, yeah, do we need to pay for this fair? Even if I, as a reader, don't agree with his idea of a, of a standing army for the Republic, do I agree with his idea that maybe the fair was too much, too extravagant? I think these are fair questions. So it's just, it was a different kind of adversary for so, and one that made so much sense, a really honest, uh, you know, look at, at the political differences uh, going on in the galaxy. So uh, to your answer, is it, it's, to your question, say, uh, is it a kind of unity or lost connection? I think in the end, it's a lost connection. There might be a better way to do it, but I understand where it comes from. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that Tune is really great because, look, the the story of the Clone Wars ultimately and, and Palpatine's great victory, not just against the Jedi, but against, you know, the people themselves is convincing them to raise an army out of just fear, out of like, there's another and they're trying to get us. So we need to be real strong and punch them first. Strength, order, you know, so this is a known fear. So when you're reading a Star Wars story and somebody's like, we need an army, a senator saying we need an army. That's like alarm bells in, in yeah. Star Wars. 
Yeah. Uh, but then you do dive into it and Toon has some legitimate concerns about the danger surrounding uh, the fair, which ends up being uh, correct. But then I think the other thing that I really like uh, is in the, exactly those pages you were talking about, 8990, um, mm-hmm. so is talking about, well, the point of this is the spirit of unity. And, uh, and Toon says, uh, yes, we've seen the posters, Chancellor, but all the propaganda in the galaxy won't distract from the fact that the fair is a dangerous extravagance. And a little bit later, he says, the Republic Fair is a dangerous vanity project that puts the lives of our citizens in jeopardy. And I just love that passage because it makes him a complex and interesting character because he's raising a valid concern that the fair is dangerous. We don't truly know the threat level of the Nile and maybe the Jedi and Lena So are being cocky. So he's got like a little bit of a point, but in everything he's doing here, he's making it political and he is doing exactly what we were talking about of using words of cynicism and fear to tear down the actual great philosophy of unity in trying Mm -hmm. to say to the chancellor's face, this isn't an actual ideal that you believe in. It's a poster to further your political career. So, like, on one side, I uh, believe uh, and agree with Tia Toon. And the other side, I want to be like, no. <laughs> yeah. You're the problem. You are killing this with cynicism. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I I hope Toon, I hope we do, I hope we go on with this thread, I, I you know, in, in future tell, storytelling, especially with, with So and the recovery, because I, I'm going to read from the book of Toon, verse two now here, Joseph, <laughs> all along at home. Um, he, he says, people think they're safe when this attack proves they're anything but as do the other attacks that have blighted the frontier in recent months. These are the people your administration is failing, Madam Chancellor. He goes on. This is page 90, the attack, like you said, what doesn't happen until 208. Uh, we know, as he's saying these words, we get sense that it's probably, probably going to be something going on at the fair that's not good. <laughs> so in a way, you can take those words and say he's right, but exactly what you're saying, uh, he's not building towards unity. There's better ways to do it. And But I want to see, just as a reader and as a Star Wars fan, I want to see in a future book, so having to deal with literally these words here because it's easy to say, look, he's right. And how are you going to recover from that? What, what, what's the next big great works you're going to do when you've failed at this last one and, and how she can push through that and still achieve her goals. Yep. It's the galactic uh, struggle, the galactic version of the struggle of the Jedi of how do you defend uh, people without losing your soul? You know, without going, you're right, Toon, let's raise an army, let's make everything about fear, you know? Uh, and I, I love that that is where, where the storytelling we're, we're posed to do on a galactic scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that, let's dive into the more personal version of this big theme of unity versus lost connection. You ready to dive in? i love to. Excellent. So this is where it really resonated with me. We've got the big picture version, but then also almost all of our individual Jedi, uh, their struggles are on some level about a lack of connection. Uh, Elzar refuses to ask for help after his uh, dark vision. Uh, He is pining for this lost connection uh, with Avar. Um, That prologue is probably one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars writing. Uh, There's that great quote where Elzar is talking about like, I shouldn't go to people for help because I'm the one who solves problems. I don't come to people with problems. I'm the one who finds a creative way to fix them. So he's really like self-isolating and not asking for help or unity. And then you got Bell, right? He is, we learn he's literally cutting himself off from the force because he can't cope with the loss, the lack of connection uh, to Loden. 
Mm-hmm. And then Stellan, wow, what an interesting character. We're going to dive into him. Uh, but he's still wrestling with processing the loss of his own master. He's still, you know, wearing her lightsaber on his belt. Uh, and we kind of learn that he is wrestling with being a public figure who needs to be someone else uh, for others. So he's striving to connect, <laughs> but he doesn't really want to connect in this way, but he's trying to do this duty. So there's this this great tension there. Uh, Loden, we, we see his horrific ten- torture by Roe in, uh, in the Uttersand, <laughs> the mean Chadrafand, is uh, designed to cut him off from connection. Uh, the new character that we meet, uh, Ty Yorick, Saber for Hire, we eventually learn is, is haunted by uh, all these uh, Jedi tragedies of the past, which makes her want to be out on her own, not even give names to her droids or her ship, you know, that kind of thing, uh, and wanting to not connect with anyone. So almost all their issues are resolving around some amount of lack of connection. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to ask you, Ken, is which of these stories of, of lost connection from the personal perspective of the Jedi was the the most impactful to you? Did you relate to any specific Jedi and their issues? Yeah, I always feel like you and I should like Rochambeau to reveal like paper, scissors, ruck. Um, <laughs> three, two, one. Elzar Man was mine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of thought that we might uh, be Elzar Manning. Are you Elzar Manning too? I'm Elzar Manning, yeah. Interesting. Okay, this is this is great. I I, I wonder how similar and how uh, different the approaches is. Uh, that, that's that's fantastic. Um, all of them are great. You're 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 pointing out uh, uh, the list is uh, it's a great reminder of some of them. The Bell ZFR one is is interesting. There's some stuff there, especially with Ember and what Ember represents. I want to get into, but uh, yeah. So I guess should I go first, sir? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, Elzar, El, Elzar, man, because it's, it's the most real, and it's not just the, the Jedi sex, though. We are going to be talking about that, I'm sure. Um, but for me, this, it's it's the fear of exposing the, this weakness, the fear, the confusion, doubt, pain, everything you talked about of, of what he said in that wonderful prologue. It rings, it rings true because this is where it gets personal for me, and, and I, I think to be clear, to be very clear, man's story goes well beyond the bounds of of who he is. Uh, uh, of who he is uh, as a character, as a, a gender, identity, anything of that. The, the, anyone can connect this. I want to be clear with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I really, really connected to it of just um, the things he's dealing with and, and all these things he's got going on and his, his, his isolating and, and not seeking any kind of help, not even talking about it, not feeling he can. It, it does have a basis in some real just male traditionally male dominated arenas some i've been in myself and so uh you know often you know you you don't feel you can ask for help you you don't feel like you can admit that we lack clarity or the answers we don't feel okay with being weak in a moment we carry a carry like a burden that doesn't need to be there so it seeps into our lives it seeps into how we treat others and what we look for in others this thing you mentioned it i'm glad that he pines for avar which is a a whole wonderful, interesting substory in their history. So he seeks comfort elsewhere, which risks causing damage to all involved. Uh, we sacrifice a better complete self. We isolate and the problems fester. They take deeper root. We act out. We destroy both intentionally and unintentionally. And, and, and Elzar Man is this wonderful free spirit of a Jedi. This is why I was uh, you know drawn to him in the first book. He's a tinkerer. He doesn't want to use the force the same way ever, ever, ever twice. You know, he wants to get out there. He, he pushes boundaries. I love that about him. Um, but he's being held back. But he's hold, his self-isolation is holding him back. It is hurting others in big ways and small ways. And I really was, he had to go to Valo to put it right. And I really hope he did. 
because uh, I want to see what a, a character, what a person, what a man could do when when he finally starts growing past some of these things, the, these obstacles he, he he puts around him or society puts around him. And Elzar Man monologue. <laughs> a great Elzar Man monologue, and I, I think you're right that it is uh, utterly relatable. Uh, it is the you know the universal through the specific. Lots of people can see Elzar themselves in Elzar Man, uh, yeah. no matter what. But I think you're, it's really great insight to point out a little bit of um, uh, toxic masculinity mm-hmm. of uh, of feeling like I can't ask for help because everybody sees me as the 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 person who's supposed to be mm-hmm. strong. You know, I think oh, there's a little yeah. bit of that going on with Stellan. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, that is universal. Uh, as well. I think what I was affected by is his, he seemed to be wrestling with two things and they totally fought one another that he desperately wants connection because he is as a Jedi, he is the spirit of unity. You know, he's a spirit of discovery of what can we go out and figure out? And I want to spend time with people and I get strength from, from being connected to people, but also I'm in a dark place and I can't show anybody. So Wanting connection and refusing help at the same time is just a self-made prison. Mm-hmm. And the pain of being in that place of I deeply want connection, but I am afraid to show my full self because I will be judged. Uh, people who used to look up to me will look up to me. I think um, not not to get the, the too deeply personal, but I think like it, it spoke to me because for myself, um, I, I think I've had the lucky opportunity in life to sometimes be the person who from the outside seems like they've got their stuff together and that, uh, I, I, I always want to be able, if I can, to, to help people talk through a problem that they have. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple instances in my life where I, I've, you know, been able to, you know, just be there and listen to somebody else and, and try, try to help and then open the door to be like, and this is the way I feel. And sometimes I've felt the, like a little pushback where people are like, no, 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 you're the, you're the, you're the stable one. You can't have problems or it upsets me or it upsets my idea that anybody can be stable. Don't be unstable around me. And maybe that's just me, uh, having some Elzar man, like insecurity, but that, that feeling mm-hmm. that he expresses of, I'm the one who solved problems, not pose them felt very, very real, very human to me. And I'm sure many people feel that way of y- you can't let your guard down because that will somehow cause other people to feel uh, fear, insecurity, and you can't do that to them. Yeah, there were some beautiful moments between him and Stellan, right? A little, uh, I guess, brotherly moments from a lack of a, of, of a better term, but just re- where where that was clear and apparent. And, and when it finally broke through and he finally had some clarity, it felt really good because, uh, uh, you know, I, I like the character, but I'm rooting for it. But yeah, it, it, it's so true. And uh, I know what you mean. Hell, you, you know, you you had a great conversation with me in a Vegas hotel bar when I, was, <laughs> I needed it. Uh, and yeah, that can that can rock the boat. And again, like you said, too, hey, maybe it's just my insecurities is the way I view it. And and and, and that's part of what I, I connected with Elzar Man is sometimes we we don't sometimes you don't even know how, but this you you have these feelings of how you're supposed to be in, in, in certain roles, and this is why I love what go, what goes on in the world now, where we're just we're pushing for uh, breaking through old barriers of of many kind, uh, but now just talking about people and and, and humans and. And, and, and a man like Elzar Mann, I think that's maybe it's <laughs> his name is Elzar Mann. Um, <laughs> it really resonates with me. I've been in that. I've, I've seen I've worked with those guys who, who it's like if, sometimes I wonder if you could just cry, you might feel better. And they're, they're, they feel they can. And this is why I, it sounds like a dark joke, but it, it's, it's true. It's like you're going to you're going to get a drinking problem and die of a heart attack at 50. 
because uh, it's going to tear you on inside. It's going to destroy you intentionally or, or, or unintentionally. Um, and then um, not being able to process the feelings in the situation with Avar, which, uh, you know, is, is an interesting side conversation. But then uh, uh, sliding it over to uh, the other character. I just forgot her name. and I was going to write it down. Uh, you've got it on this list here. Uh, Samara. Samara. Yeah. Ranun. And and I, we don't know, I'm interested to discuss, you know, her perspective and her feel of the moment. Maybe she's like, nah, this is, this is a fun night. See you next time. I don't get that sense. It reminded me of like George Clooney at the end of Up in the Air where he, he makes this big thing and then he kind of, it, it, it creates pain and hurt. And, oh, I thought I was doing right. Anyways, and so now he, he because he can't deal with Avar Chris or the situation around Avar Chris, I should say, he, he might hurt her. He might do something careless to her. And then he wakes up literally with his pants off and there's there's the world's on fire in, in this area, this 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 place he's supposed to be a marshal of now and protect. And it just spawns so many real world thoughts and discussions. Yeah. The part of what I love about that prologue, there's so many great details. But that moment of like, I had a horrible dark vision. I don't want to tell anyone about it. So I got a little too drunk and I reached out to my uh, this, this person who I'm very connected to and danced too close. And she put her hand on my chest and pushed me back mm. and mm. just feeling that, that absolute feel of I can't or won't express the true reason that I need support and connection. And so I reach out for it in a sloppy, uh, you know, not entirely appropriate way. And then I feel the pain of that pushback. Yeah. That pushback is kind of my fault because I'm not able to tell the real reason that I need this connection. Yeah. I can't ask for it a- appropriately and accurately. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's a, that's a real trap. Um, I think also just like Star Wars fans were always going to be intrigued by the story of the Jedi and how do they uh, define attachment and sex. And it's very easy to slip into jokes, uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll do some <laughs> yeah. sexy yeah. Elzar man jokes. But for me, I think just the way that he thought about the way, sex uh, was presented as Elzar is just this kind of flowing open person and in sex is a physical act, but it it's more that he does just, he's charmed by people. He wants to be close to them. He wants to be connected to them and sexuality as a, a part of just being like, I just want to be closer to you. I just want to like know you. Um, That was really, really human and really, really interesting. Yeah, and and then uh, there's uh, Stellan. I got flipping back here. Uh, Stellan around page fifty three, fifty four talks about passion. Uh, and, and, and passion, you know, he gets questioned on, you know, he has a passion for something, and and uh, strong passions are something we try to control within ourselves as emotions can cloud our judgment, especially in stressful situations. But he goes on to say that Jedi, you know, does not suggest that we cannot have desires or interests. And I'm not necessarily saying that that it's okay. Okay for Jedi to have sex. It's a different conversation. Real Avros has some opinions too, but uh, it is um, it, it's just really interesting. It, 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 as you said, we are fascinated with the Jedi as Star Wars fans and what that really means and how they function. And, and that could mean, hey, you want to get to know this person, maybe on an intimate level, but you also like maps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yes, and Indira says a version of that too when mm-hmm. she's counseling Bell of like. Emotions are real and they're good and you should invest them, but you need to know how to handle them and and mm-hmm. let them go at the appropriate time so you don't cause damage with them, right. you know. Uh, and I think Elzar, we're just getting to see him just twist around with that. Yeah. Uh, let's dive into a little bit, Stellan, because this is our big introduction to him. Uh, you know, we've heard about him. We've known that he's going to be one of the main characters. Uh, 
we really get to see kind of behind the mask of a a very sort of traditional uh, poster boy uh, hero, handsome, square jaw, big legend. Everybody likes him. Uh, and then we get to see like what what's the reality? What's the really human reality for this sort of poster boy hero? Did that work well for you? Did you like Stellan and his story? I really did. Great line. He's used to gaggles of adoring younglings that hang on his every word. We really have been podcasting forever because so far we're writing down all the same thing. <laughs> Six years and counting. Uh, love you, man. Uh, look, uh, here is. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, you and I, I think, uh, have a kind of a same thought, too, about Obi-Wan in some ways is, is, is a poster uh, child in a way for the Jedi, at least of that era mm-hmm. and, and how he has to live up to that or, or deal with that. Um this is a similar, but on a bigger scale. And when I love this book, examine the stress and pressures of kind of being at the head of the pack, going beyond that. Cause the, the people are making, jo- uh, you know, Stellan robes and he loves talking. Yeah, he's always got a lesson in story. Um, but beyond that is someone who really wants to keep the order strong, who really believes in the Republic. He is the center. Uh, and which also means kind of like what you were saying, like he might be the guy you go to in a hotel lobby bar to talk about things. And he cherishes that role and he's good at that role, but there's stress behind that. Um, and, and I just love the skills he has and the experience he's gone through have earned him this spot. And no one really takes that away from him, even if they kind of poke at him every now and then. And I, th- I, I love that in the book. Yeah, I think Stellan was just like a revelation to me. He was one of my favorite things in this book uh, because it got to we got to kind of poke fun at the uh, loud, traditional hero mm-hmm. guy. Uh, I loved on page 53 when he is uh, supposed to be giving a demonstration for the cameras, uh, but he's going to just launch into talking about the different lightsaber forms, which is just a great uh, in-joke, too, of their, uh, you know, going in and out of canon of uh, how much do we know about lightsaber forms or not. Uh, we get him just explicitly uh, Jedi-splaining, uh, slightly talking yeah. over people, so there's a real criticism of, like, you got to be careful when you have a lot of power that you're not being the loudest person in the room, that you're not talking over people, that you're not, you know, being a jerk. Mm-hmm. And the book kind of invites like that. Ooh, is that what we're doing? Is that are we going behind the mask of the the typical hero? Uh, and then I really love that we do. And we learn that he's he he's definitely got some ego. He's definitely got some hubris. But I love that passage where we learn that what he really likes to do is teach. He wants to pass on. He wants to share. He's talking so much because he wants to give back and he doesn't want to be the poster boy. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight. It's just what is being asked of him is a great way to make a, a, a complex character. And you see, you get to see all of the doubt and the fear and the commitment to the principles of the Jedi. Uh, You get to see his hubris. I think, uh, we'll talk more about this, bite him in the ass when he's fighting. Um, and then we get this kind of great twist where he's just like, I I just want to be a Jedi. I want to be a teacher. I want to defend and I want to pass on what I know. And Lena So is like, but you're, you're so strong and you're so valiant and you're so open with your emotions. Everybody saw you cry while holding me. You got to be the poster boy. Mm-hmm. And this tragedy of like, I don't. I don't want to be what everybody thinks I am. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that was a powerful moment. I, I loved, uh, I loved the use of him. Cause again, this, this, uh, I wouldn't think Kevin Scott or any writer in the high Republic would, would, would undercut these characters, but it, you could have gone, you could have just been a pompous, you know, you know, blowhard Jedi. It could have been the, 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 the star quarterback on the team who takes all the credit. And, and there's some great quotes 
from him or around him that I, I thought applied to other areas of conversation about unit, unity. But he says he's the one that says to Bell, "No Jedi is ever alone. We are united in the Force," which shows uh, I, I, a lot of things and connects, I think, even to Episode Nine. But um, uh, it shows uh, Stellan has a, an understanding of where he is in all of this and where he is in the big picture. Uh, and his uh, his old master speaking to him, right? Uh, and he gets some of those great uh, moments where. He's remembering or connecting to those memories. A Jedi is never beyond duty. Duty. A Jedi must always feel pain of those who are oppressed. The pain of the powerless brings up bigger conversations about Star Wars and Jedi. But for him too, just that sense of purpose, that sense of what he's going to do, um, it just shows his his strength of character. Yeah, yeah, he, he is a he is a good guy ultimately, uh, and kind of has this uh, this uh, a little bit of the ego and a little bit of the burden of being uh, a poster boy. And that's just fascinating stuff for me. Uh, I did want to ask you, if you were a Jedi, would you struggle to remain connected? Uh, I would, uh, I'd be Elsar, <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> um, you, you, no, I, I think uh, it'd be very tough. This is why I love, um, love with the High Republic era, but I also love what the modern Star Wars era has done to really analyze the Jedi and, and not just even the prequel era, going back to what George put there, uh, and saying, yeah, yeah, they fell. And a lot of it was on the inside. Let's really analyze why, because we have a little more time. And, and Clone Wars was doing that as well, by the way, setting that up. Um, but I love this stuff. And so I don't know, man. I, 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 I they that kiss on page 195. This is, this is a great Star Wars kiss, man. There's been some great ones uh, in, in the, in, on shows and movies and <laughs> comic books. But it was it was a well-written moment. And I was I was kind of rooting for him. And I, 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 I woke up like Elzer, man, the next morning going, yeah, that's probably not good, though. <laughs> There's a couple of good Elzar Man moments. You're like, yeah, great job. Wait, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, we're not supposed to do that. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. yeah. No, that that kissing as the fireworks go off. I was like, yep, yeah, okay, yeah. They were uh, otherwise I, occupied. Oh, great, great. Felt you, Elzar, but yes, also you can feel the tragedy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think what's so great about the story of the Jedi and the story of, of the Jedi in this book is it's just it, it can be if you want it a study of ourselves of you know. It's easy to say, oh, we are all in this together, unity, let's all be connected. It's so frightening to open yourself up. And I think that's something that we all struggle with. And particularly if I were a Jedi, I would really be like, you're right, that's a problem. I'll take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> and you maybe maybe ask for help. Um, I'd also be bad at meditation. Uh, I, I would tell people, I'll meditate tomorrow. I would probably make jokes on uh, the whatever the social media version of the hollow is about like, oh, no, yeah, no, I totally meditated today. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm totally a, a calm. I'm, I'm peace. I'm not doing seven things at the same time. I meditate. I meditate all the time. Uh, I'm right there with you. This is why I don't do audio books. Uh, going to the uh, Dooku at Jedi Lost. Uh, Kevin Scott as well, right? Where I, 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 I would go listen to it every day uh, and then come back and not remember most of what I heard because my mind just suddenly <laughs> just 12 other spots. So, yes, I get that too. Focus, control. We must learn focus and control. Uh, okay, so we've talked about a lot of the the damages, the dangers of loss of connection, but this book also, I think, just really celebrates these moments of success when there is connection. There were so mm -hmm. many moments of successful connection. Um, a great action moment of Porter Engel jumping on top of uh, the the vector yeah. and bringing them together and reminding these Jedi of like, we do this, let's come together, let's be adrift. Uh, Ty and Elzar locking hands and souls to tame Sandval beasts and knowingly opening themselves up to that terrifying intimacy. Uh, learning that the, the voice of Marie Santeca uh, who is also in captivity, has been reaching out to Loden in his captivity. Uh, the kind of big picture story of Lena So taking this big swing 
of uh, inviting the Togrudos, who are not happy, we learn, with the Republic, and uh, inviting them to come to my cool fair about unity. Oh, whoops, sorry. <laughs> Almost got you killed. And everybody's like, yeah, that uh, that's probably it for the relationship with the Togrudos. But what do you know? The risk that Lena so took and the display of who she truly is uh, forged the possibility of an alliance with the Togruta. So that was another moment of great connection. Uh, Stellan uh, talking all the Jedi once the communications were reconnected into pushing the fog away together. What a great image of uh, now that we're together, let's push the fog of isolation away so we can truly see what's going on together. Uh, which of these triumphs were most impactful for you, either ones I've listed or, or other ones, because there's so many. There, there, there's so many, and along the way, and 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 they're all just threads so nicely through it. Porter Engel uh, is 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 one of my favorite characters in, of this era, uh, mostly based on his ability to cook uh, soup. Uh, but I, I love that moment too. But the, the Tyne Elsar one was great because um, it's so just a crazy Star Wars Jedi taming beasts in a battle, right? It's just pew 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 and zoom 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 Star Wars stuff. But really, it's about intimacy and in this case not a romantic intimacy but just the 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 the, the bravery it takes to connect you know going back to what we're talking about elzar, elzar man it's it's no easy feat to be vulnerable it's no easy feat to ask for help it's no easy feat to admit some of these things and i think in that moment both of them kind of dance with it oh, 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 oh too far oh you knew that ah you know that and and how it ends up working out it really works for me and i love and you you said it very well lena so uh taking that risk in this cheesy song parade infested event <laughs> posters taking this risk with the Togruta and then having it pay off because probably they felt they felt the we are all the republic uh spirit in you they felt it whether they didn't uh, did at the beginning or not they felt it and that's why they responded reminds me not unlike uh chewbacca looking at solo uh in, in, in on kessel and going look at what that guy's doing look what i, I feel it and I'm going to reward that with my loyalty and my support and my help in this moment. It makes sense. It tracks for a Star Wars theme. Yeah, it's it's really powerful because it is, uh, I think, connecting back to uh, what we we're talking about early in the podcast about uh, Lena so showed uh, uh, the Tegruda. Uh, oh, man, there's so many names. And I even wrote it down. Um, anyway, shows the Tegruda leader that uh, it, this is not a poster. This isn't. Uh, BS. This is really who I am. I'm helping yeah. other people. I'm uh, Elric Jovit. Uh, you know, she shows her the true philosophy, not the poster. And I think that makes mm -hmm. a difference. Yeah, I love uh, I love Ty and Elzar in particular because it is this. Look, we are our backs are up against the wall. We might die. Elzar really needs to to make amends and help and save people and defend people. And uh, it, I like that they are both damaged, so they're coming at this point of like. All right, we can save ourselves and others if we show one another our scars. <laughs> it's yeah. not even like a mystery box of what are we going to see? They're both like, uh, show you, uh, I'll show you my scars if you'll <laughs> show me yours. It's such an exchange of we're going to show each other our pain in order to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's a little thing. It's early on. I love Stellan is using the force to protect Lena So and the group from the gas closing in, and they are just literally chanting for light and life and turning what could be. Just a, a little catchphrase into something that's giving them strength in the moment. Totally. Um, I really loved Bell uh, catching Loden toward the end. Uh, yeah. That was just such a great moment of, of good Star Wars poetry where we meet Loden and Bell, where uh, at least partially where Loden is, keeps teaching Bell different ways to fall and catch himself. And so Bell catching Loden was a, was a great moment of, of triumph of connection. Mm. Mm. 
so there's a big look at this theme of uh, of unity versus lost connection. We're going long as I, I thought we probably would, so uh, we'll uh, stay with us if you'd like to. We're going to look at a couple other themes. Uh, I want to look at this theme of uh, Jedi weaknesses, right? Um, in particular, there is this great passage that I'm sure you wrote down as well because we were writing down all the same passages that uh, the Jedi we know, they strive to defend, not attack. They give people second chances. Uh, this is uh, Indira Stokes' uh, thoughts. Uh, she says, Jedi were taught to see the best in people from an early age. Friend or enemy, all were to be respected. The belief ran deep. There was good in the darkest of hearts. Such conviction marked the Jedi out from other Force users. They're always ready to give someone a second chance. They're always ready to try again. To do otherwise would have been a betrayal of everything the Order stood for. Unfortunately, the Jedi occupied a universe that didn't share the sentiment, a universe that constantly tried to prove otherwise. The Jedi's greatest strength was also also their weakness, the gap in their armor. I thought that was just a great passage to just really fully acknowledge that. And then it really brought into focus for me that during this whole battle, we were seeing different Jedi process and handle the fact that they needed to kill Nile to protect mm-hmm. other people well, and others not so well. Uh, and I think that we saw some Jedi really face consequences from holding back in battle. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about that in particular. Did you feel that? Were you were you pumping your fist for the Jedi who were able to uh, to say, I don't want to be doing this, but I understand I have to, versus the Jedi who kept giving vicious Nile members second chances. Yeah. And, and I did, this is page three Oh four. And I I didn't write the full speech down, but yeah, there's the difference between Jedi and force users is I did redemption. I was willing to give someone a second chance. It's a pretty big, pretty powerful statement uh, as we dig into the Jedi. Yeah. This is fascinating stuff. I, I go back, you know, I'll tell you what I found myself. This is <laughs> going back to the question of what would I do? Uh, would I maintain connections and would I be a good Jedi? Basically is what you're asking Joseph. <laughs> Elzar goes a bit dark here at times. And I, I struggle with just press fire, press the trigger, take them out. <laughs> They've made their choice. They've got a Nile mask on and the three lightning bolts. Take them out. And then maybe you wake up the next day and go, that's not right. And what stood out to me going back to page 84 is this idea of uh, the deaths of the, uh, the, 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 for the Jedi, the deaths of those they kill stay with them. They stay with the Jedi. And that every Jedi took life, no matter how justified, that every silence voice would stay with them until the end of their days. It's uh, frankly haunting in one way, but powerful in another. And it made me, it gives me pause to figure out the best way to fight in these situations. I think that Jedi do a pretty good job getting their vectors and, and getting into action when they need to. The fact that each kill, each fire of the lasers brings this great dilemma for the Jedi. And that's part of the burden of the Jedi and part of this uh, never losing sight of, 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 of duty and always being on duty in a way for those who are oppressed and those in pain. It all rolls into one and, and all in a cool little battle. <laughs> well, big. Battle. Yeah. A, a cool big battle. Yeah, it was. This is what I was saying when, like, uh, I think this book really fulfills the promise of this idea of we get to see the fantasy and philosophy of the Jedi just uh, turn to eleven. And it was so great to hear all of Indira's ability to cope and frame it in the middle of chaos and death. Uh, page twenty two thirty eight. I think she says every death was a failure, and then she takes out a Nile ship, and then she says she looked for another regret to add to her tally. So she's yeah. so clear on it. Her philosophy is so solid that she can move forward and defend and do what she needs to do. And then when I was reading Stellan, 
fighting at Trandoshan Nile, I got viscerally upset with Stellan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because I thought it was this great picture of like Stellan's, he, he wants to be the teacher, you know, he knows the lightsaber forms and he can demonstrate them. There's even that little hint where like, maybe he didn't actually win that fight with Nib Asik, which is just like, I'm letting you show how it's done, but that's not really how it's done. You're, you're, you're showing classroom lightsaber stuff. Yeah. And then when he's, he's out there trying to fight the Trandoshan, like it's a classroom or like it's a nice little match that they both agreed to and signed up for. It, he's not fighting the battle that is then, right? It's mm-hmm. it's admirable that he's trying to give that Trandoshan a second chance. But in doing that, in getting his his ass handed to him by the Trandoshan, he uh, gets Norrell Quo viciously hurt and almost drops Lena So off the walker, right? Like, mm-hmm. there are immediate consequences to him not having the same clarity that Indira does. Uh, yeah, and by the way, we should, Indira Stokes, hell of a Jedi, by the way. <laughs> Uh, she's really the MVP of like Jedi who have their stuff together. I would absolutely say so. And a lot of the action that are just in, in passing are like, ooh, ooh, that's great. It's usually her and a vector. She's she's great, great character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Were you were, there with me? Were you viscerally upset by Stellan with Stellan of being like, it's yeah. so admirable that Trandoshan's not going to take the offer <laughs> for a second chance. That's not the fight you're in. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's. Uh, it, it it feeds into some some I guess, frustration, but yeah, but but I love again love the discussion on the right way to do it. But I think it's clear, right? And that that's that's again. I don't know if it's even I'm saying that's the right perspective, but for Stella, that moment for a lot of these characters, it's clear what you have to do. This to me is part of your duty. This stops or helps stop some of the oppression and pain in the galaxy. Do it, do it. Now's not the time. But again, I'm probably a Jedi that's going to go uh, sneak off and have a drink and a kiss. <laughs> Speaking of Jedis who sneak off and have a drink and a kiss, uh, let's talk about, uh, under the general category of Jedi weakness, Elzar, Elzar's big moment of darkness. Uh, how did you feel about that? Uh, he reaches into his feelings, and uh, this big Nile ship is going to uh, destroy uh, Indira and Porter and, and a bunch of our Jedi in their drift, and he throws one of the islands of the fair uh, at the Nile. In a movie, you could see it as a big applause moment, but we get to see inside Elzar and we get to see uh, that he's really reaching into all of his pain and frustration uh, to make that possible. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy that moment? Do you have hopes that he's going to make amends like he wants to? What were your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I believe he will. And maybe whether it's in the next book or comic book or whatever, I think he will. I think that's part of his his story. I just hope he doesn't have to go out uh, uh, in death uh, to make amends. I want him to maybe, re- maybe retires and settles down. Elzar. No, it's a great moment. And I'm glad, glad that you highlighted that on screen, not that Star Wars movies don't, by the way, but often on screen, it's simple. It's a cool, it's a cool set piece. It's a cool action moment. It is, uh, it's Mecca Elzar. He's <laughs> L1 and R1 and his force powers are the best. And isn't that cool? And it is. It this this is spectacular to read. It'd be spectacular to see. I love what you're describing because again, it sounds like I'm just making a joke or I'm repeating a beat. But I'm like, yeah. And then you turn the page and you're like, oh, I get it. And you and I grew up in a decade, not just with Star Wars fans, but it was like 80s, man. G.I. Joe, boom, 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 Rambo, everything, and 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 all fun and games until people get hurt. Um, to to go back and analyze what it means and 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 to take a little moment. And this again, great use of the medium. Now you're inside Elzar's mind and body and soul to feel the the weight of that moment. Yeah, I'm really glad that you had the same experience because uh, as you're reading it, you know, I'm so afraid for the Jedi uh, yeah. who who are being chased by that giant Nile ship. 
and so wanting Elzar to to go out there and make a difference. And the way that's written of like, I'm going to tap into all of these feelings of uh, anger and frustration and doubt, and I'm just going to deal with the problem and I'm going to make things better. And for a moment, it sounds like, yeah, that's great. And then you flip the page and, and I believe it's Endear once again, but I'm like, ooh, someone just did a real dark side thing and they're going to have to <laughs> deal with that. And, and Indira shook me out of like, oh, right. Yes. I, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I know that Elzar just did the Anakin. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. He, he yes. just did the, uh, you know, I know I'm going to do, reach into these uh, feelings of anger and frustration and do an awful thing, but don't worry, it's for a good reason. And when I'm done lashing out in pain and anger, everything will be better. And it got me into that moment so well that I wanted it to be a fist pumping, cheering moment. And then as soon as I turned the page, Indira was like, Scrimshaw, yeah. <laughs> go back and read that other chapter. Well, so this is where, yeah, you just invoked the, the name of Anakin. Uh, you know, once you start on the, the dark side, forever will dominate your destiny, right? I, I mean, you and I have been breaking down the, a lot of the Clone Wars moments on the Clone Wars reports. How many times does Anakin do that? How many times does it work out pretty darn good, which just fuels his, uh, con his conviction that he's doing the right thing? And often it does produce good things like saving of lives or saving of lives of popular characters for us, but friends for him. And, and yeah, and to, he never stops to analyze. He never feels that pain. At least, at least my hope buddy is Elzar's doing it. He's at least, he at least knows. Oh, that wasn't good. Yeah. That's what made this so fresh. It was such a great, like the, the, some of these ideas of star Wars are, are evergreen. They're, they're philosophies that characters are going to wrestle with in any star Wars story. Uh, and it was powerful that he was, Unlike, uh, you know, Anakin uh, or other characters who have become dark side characters that he was just immediately like, no, that was wrong. And I, I need to make it right. I need to make it right. That was really, really powerful. Um, and I also just did like the the big picture ongoing question of, OK, well, he did save uh, people, uh, but he slaughtered a lot of Nile. And, you know, m maybe some other innocents died in that, you know, he threw it into the the lake, I believe. But, you know. Um, it's a massive, big uh, a, attack. Mm -hmm. And there is that question of, in Star Wars, obviously, that, you know, the why and the how matters, right? Yeah. And what I like about it is Elzar was using these dark em emotions to do this thing that did save people. But the why and the how matters. He's using those dark emotions. He's lashing out in, in anger and pain. You get that idea that, well, maybe, maybe a centered Jedi could have still done something as big and as cool, but from a different place. Yeah. Yeah, from a yeah, from a different place, not drawing on the on the power that Elzar did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh last thing I want to talk about under Jedi weaknesses is, you know, uh all all these things that Roe has up his sleeve. Uh it looks like the the Nile are gonna get a hold of this nullifier that turns off of energy weapons. That's obviously a problem. Uh but the big thing of this book was the leveler. The leveler appears to be an organic beast, an ancient nightmare thing. Uh what do you actually think it's doing to force users? And did you like the leveler? Uh, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, and this is one of those, uh, it's good to kind of go back and read some chapters again. I, I, I reread uh, the discovery of it with uh, Udi, uh, Udi Dis. Is that how you say the name? Udi Dis? Uh, that, that's how I said it when I read it to myself. <laughs> then you'll get an audio book and it will correct you. Uh, Udi Dis, which was, it's great. And, and, and the second reading of that really drove it home for me. It, 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 it's uh, what happens to him as, as a force user, uh, not a Jedi, but a force user. And, and to me, and, and Ro kept saying with his cousin who he kills, uh, balance, it'll bring balance, balance. And well, we, we, we love balance in Star Wars. But to me with Udi, this, it was, it was almost just erasing him. 
It was erasing him from the force, erasing the connection to the living force, just 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 sucking uh every fiber of his being away from him and, and the pain and the memories were all that was kind of there and those were just destroying him as much the, his own relationship with his father and him getting a lot of people getting kicked out of nests on the nile <laughs> um and, and so to to go back and apply that to to maybe what was going on with 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 Loden in the end um with what happens with him that's the only way i could describe it to myself yeah yeah uh that that makes a ton of sense um I really loved that the leveler ended up being this organic beast. Uh, a couple passages of it bounded from its cage, claws clattering on deck plates, breath ragged and guttural. Uh, he could hear it now. Ro could hear it uh, growling, bestial, insatiable. Uh, and when Bell was under its effect, uh, describes it as it was uncontrollable, a horror beyond name or understanding. It was hungry, so very, very hungry. That's all very like Lovecraftian, mm. um, cosmic horror. Y- you part of what is frightening about it is you can't quite understand fully what it is. Yeah. Uh, so I really like bringing that sort of element, that flavor into star Wars and for what's actually going on. It just, it seems to me that it's just like uh, that the leveler is maybe what in the coming of the leveler is, is what um, Elzar connected to at the end of light of the Jedi. Mm. Uh, we got to hear it from Udi Dis's perspective. We got to hear it from bell uh, that there seems to be this effect of just uh removing all hope right removing all connection and leaving you with nothing but your fear and your anxiety and none of that will to sort of get up and fight and make a difference but just nothing but fear and lack of connection yeah it's interesting because we we we, in a lot of the lead up to the release of these books uh we heard like you know the writing team wanted what 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 challenges the jedi what what and 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 fear comes up right and and we know what skywalker tells ray and nine but uh you're describing this just the the big fear is this removal of connection but also removal of hope which fuels so much and feels so much in star wars that's a, that's a that's a a lena so poster way to describe it to myself <laughs> yeah yeah and i was really i i, I had expected Loden to die there in those those last uh, moments and uh it was turning the pages waiting for it sadly uh i did not expect the brain turned to stone and face crumbling (laughs) as a great visceral uh, image. What does that mean to you that, how does that connect to the other things that the leveler is doing that the leveler appeared to have turned him to stone? How does it connect to it? I mean, we're talking about fear. Um, Disturbing. Uh, It, 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 um, if you want to connect to the idea of removing hope, that to me, uh, movement of hope and the installing fear in its place can really harden your heart in a way. So I'm going to go with the, <laughs> not that Loden was at his heart hardened at the end, but just this visual, visual representation of that, of, of this loss of hope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Inanimate. Uh, you become, uh, you're not living literally, you know, you are something that we associate with not being alive. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that's just kind of a great manifestation of that feeling of fear, tightening you, holding you back cold disconnected stone uh, there's something that's very visceral about it uh that is uh really powerful and makes me think of if the leveler would work on geode <laughs> oh geode we got geos our geode's gonna be our hero <laughs> yeah exactly uh one other uh quick uh theme i did also feel like this was continuing an idea that has been popping up a lot in the high republic of this feeling of specters of the past that you can't escape uh, many of the Jedi are haunted by past mistakes or lost masters. Uh, these, these weapons that Roe is compiling are ancient horrors uh, because he, he's getting these two pieces of this rod put together that then directs the leveler. Um, 
Roe is literally hearing his dead father's voice. The Drenger are an ancient horror reborn. Uh, there's a lot of this specters of the past feeling. Is that still working for you? Do, do you like the, the, the idea of uh, horrors of the past? Is that still an effective idea to you? Yeah, it connects on a personal level. We all have to deal with our own, uh, you know, horrors of the past, big and small in our own lives. And we love those kind of connections. It works in terms of Star Wars and just in terms of lore. This is, you know, we're getting 200 years prior to anything we previously had known in canon, uh, Old Republic stuff in the past and legends aside. So we're getting this. And so I love that even we're back 200 years and even there's even older things we got to deal with. And that that cycle never really ends. Uh, and and it, it also just on a, on a plot level, on a lore level, it makes me just think of like, we're kind of in wild west times here, even though some freeways have been built in this galaxy. <laughs> uh, what was it like then? And it makes me a little thirsty for more of those stories. Yeah, I think it remains really effective to me because it is that multi-level feeling of uh, anything bad that once hap- happened could happen again. Uh, you don't entirely understand it because it's really old. So it's that fear of the unknown. And more than anything, that fear that you said, it's that fear that's in your mind, a fear that you can't escape. The past is always there in your mind and you can't, can't outrun it. So I think this, this feeling of specters of the past is really, really successful on giving it a sense of doom and, and challenging the Jedi. Any other big picture ideas or themes that you wanted to discuss before we take a quick break? Yeah. Just one, the big final one that I, I very much think this is what Kevin Scott was trying to tell us all. Don't go to parades or fairs. <laughs> uh, that, might, that might be mine. Okay. I think so. I think this, this entire book is an attack on the Minnesota state fair from my home state. <laughs> Don't enjoy the all-you-can-drink milk. <laughs> it's not <laughs> real unity. <laughs> no bricks of French fries at your fair. <laughs> no, no, you don't need those cheese curds. Stay home. Stay angry. Uh, last thing for me, I'll make this real quick, is I think there's a nice really uh, little thread of everyone is equal, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's those moments where Bell is getting strength from just the citizens at the fair and and like, look, these people are still fighting. I'm a Jedi. I should really fight. They're inspiring me. Uh, the great moments of Lena and the Togruta leader, Yvette, uh, rescuing people, right? Like, just because they're the leaders of the people, they're not, you know, beneath rescuing or not above rescuing people, right? There's a lot of just, hey, everyone matters moments, which is really powerful and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to finish our deep dive discussion of The Rising Storm. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. 
That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Back to finish our big discussion of The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. We talked a lot about some of the really big picture ideas. Now we're going to dive into some of the moments, uh, moments we enjoyed, some action moments, some fun canon lore connection as we wrap up our discussion. So, Ken, what are some moments that you particularly enjoyed uh, because they're fun or insightful or for whatever reason? What were some moments for you? Some moments, indeed. Um, I, I, I... I enjoyed there's uh, there the, the the I don't want to put it on just in the action moment but just there's some 
real great. A lot I've I've heard horror described around this book a lot. Just people, even some of the people have read it already and are tweeting out things. Which, by the way, don't do. Um, the the bell rescuing like Kip and and, and John John and and just uh, there's a bit of a Titanic kind of uh, <laughs> boat sinking atmosphere. Just that 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 was uh, worked for me. Uh, a lot of just I make fun of the fair, but just the, the lead up to it. And a lot of stuff was so the so in tune stuff really jumped out to me as well. Um, but then the fights fights begin. Then I have a lot more action moments and little little moments there, and a lot of little characters along the way. The 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 fun nature of this of the the kind of different kind of species that we've never heard before or haven't heard about in a long time. I mean, ribbits showing up again and, and Star Wars. And that's a, that's a deep cut thing. Right. So um, I love a lot of that stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you enjoy memorizing Star Wars speeches or Googling them, man, it's a great book for that <laughs> yes. uh, in a wonderful way. Uh, there are many moments of, uh, of just sort of, comedy and humanity admits the horror that I really appreciated. Uh, there's a, one uh, passage where the opera singer, the Mon Calamari opera singer that uh, Lena so is on the run with during the tragedy is at first kind of not getting involved and being a little selfish. And I like that it's eventually this mo- moment where she gets involved and is using her operatic voice to yell, move. There's <laughs> like, like a great moment of humanity and comedy, yeah. which I think, given that this is just like, this is the tragedy movie uh, book of Star Wars, that there's still those moments of, of comedy and humanity. Uh, I love that moment where the everybody is just surveying the horrific destruction and then notice that damn Unity song is still playing. Still play it. <laughs> that was a great moment. Um, I loved on uh, page 309 uh, when Stellan's trying to uh, connect with people and in, in bring the Jedi together and uh, Porter Engel, uh, this is the passage. Porter Engel grunted, the sound of his lightsaber buzzing over the connection. Was the Ikruki in the middle of a fight? <laughs> it's uh, such a great, uh, funny picture of him. Like, yeah, no, no, I'm having a conversation and I, I got a thing going on at the side too. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. A uh, couple other moments for me. Um, I, I think the the uh, jokes that are in the book uh, about uh, Elzar Mann's uh, sex and sexuality are are, are good. I liked on page 203 the many layers the Jedi Order insisted its members wear <laughs> yeah. for very good reason. <laughs> yeah. The idea of like, eh, you know, look, we're we're all about connection, we're all about being loose and free and letting things go, but uh we got we got some uh some layers in our robes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it was uh funny and insightful and, and good in Elzar Man's head. Um you highlighted this one, uh but I, but I wanted to take a quick look at it. Page 53, Stellan is talking about Jedi interests to the um, journalist uh, Real, yeah, and says uh, that it, it would be foolish to suggest that a Jedi has no desires or interests. In fact, I would go so far as to say it would be dangerous, leading only to complacency. I love that he is talking about the fact that he's real interested in lightsaber history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's really like yeah, like no Jedi can collect stamps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's they're not boring people who don't have interests but it's also a, a powerful passage to me because i'm always interested in what moments in the high republic storytelling are gonna going to shed light on how the jedi maybe made little mistakes along the way by the time we get to the prequel era and i think mm-hmm. that idea of complacency will come if you're not allowing yourself to be individuals and finding joy and humanity a great, no, that's a that was a powerful moment. Absolutely, a prequel, prequel warning signs. Uh, that's an interesting uh, subsection uh, discussing these books. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, last little favorite moment that I wanted to highlight is 
uh, I really loved when the um, journalist, Real, uh, had reconnected and was being asked to talk over the footage and uh, the anchor on the other side was asking those very anchor-like questions of like, okay, well, I see this, this species of Jedi and this species of Jedi. What, what are their names? And, and she's thinking like, what does it matter? And she says uh, in, in her mind, the important thing was that they, the Jedi, were there trying to hold back the horror. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. That was a real kind of like justice for the Jedi moment of like, yeah. well, maybe the fair was a risk. Uh, maybe Toon has some accuracy that the Jedi there weren't able to save everybody. But this is such a big idea of the Jedi. of just like, if one Jedi saved one person in that tragedy, it's still worth it. They're still trying to hold back the horror and having this journalist who went through, through it, see that and appreciate that was a real justice for the Jedi moment for me. I love that. No, that's, no, that's great. Yeah. That whole sequence was kind of funny because it's such a, it's very real world. I felt like I was here in Burbank and producers and anchors and uh, uh, now real. Is that a fire? I see next to the freeway. A lot of that going on. There. It, was, it was funny in a way, but that's a real powerful moment. Uh, one I forgot about uh, actually, uh, I just uh, brought, I, don't put notes in two places, kids. If you're talking about Star Wars books, I want to, I want to go if you, if, if it's okay with you, Joseph to page 93. Um, Please do. This idea of Ember. Ember the Charhound. We love Ember the Charhound. I love dogs. Yeah. I love a Charhound. I have kind of a, a close to that with a, a, a male Chihuahua that loves to bite my ankles every now and then. But uh, the the purpose of Ember and and, and, and Bell's just – Bell who's trying to, you know, dealing with what he thinks is the, the death of Loden Great, Great Storm, then will be dealing with that. But also this connection and trying to uh, lock himself off in the force. But attachment is such a big Star Wars – thing and word and, and and theme we we dive into and what's good and what's bad this idea of ember to me showing the purpose of connection we're not going to attachment the purpose of connection and while he's bell is dying basically and trying to recover all these things going on it's a, ember his anchor good dog one of my that's one of my favorite three sentences in star wars ever Ember is his anchor. Uh, it's his connection. And it, it's not attachment, but that, that connection is in this moment. It's keeping him alive and shows a little bit of the purpose and value of, of connection and why that's uh, as we deal with that with this, this book here, this big theme. Just was a real small, very real world. A boy and his dog. It worked for me and stood out. Yeah, that was great. And so many great moments of Ember clearly being able to really communicate with, truly understand uh, Bell and really work with him and, and Bell being able to be like, no, Ember, I need you to help these other people. I'm going to send you that way. And, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. always being there and, and defending Bell, that great passage at the end that uh, the, the he was watching over uh, Bell, poor Bell, and he was collapsed from his vision and flames uh, dancing around his teeth. So great. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that you took a moment uh, to shout out Ember because uh, that charhound deserves it. Yeah. Uh, any other moments for you, or shall we move on? We can move on. One fi- one final thing. A couple, couple Elzar moments. Uh, Paige, uh, Elzar is, is hubris, and just this idea that the Jedi aren't just enough for themselves. He, you know, it's kind of him thinking just me, uh, you know, hey, I'm Elzar. I'm going to here to save the day. Uh, more to dig into in other books and stuff. But they, they, all that to say, and he had, goes through his, his, his great act, uh, which, which has consequences. At the end of the book, there is this idea put across that the Force does not desert Elzar. Uh, no matter what he had done, 
Reminds me a little bit of the last Jedi prologue, uh, where, where the, the force is trying to like, all right, Luke, you, you may have shut yourself off, but we're going to find you because we're not leaving you. We're here. And I just love that kind of view of the, of the force and, and talking about Elzar as he goes forward and, and hopefully some redemption, hopefully some amends. It was pretty powerful for me just to have that moment to realize uh, the force isn't done with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I, I love that. And, and Elzar really happy to uh, maybe being taken to a place there at the end where he's going to find some connection because now, Bell is going to understand what he went through, right? Yeah. Uh, so hope hope for Elzar there. Uh, let's dive into some action moments where I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about uh, Elzar as well. What action moments did you particularly enjoy? Because, you know, we talked about the philosophy and not that there isn't philosophy in the fantasy, but there's just like a ton of amazing fist pumping Jedi action in this as well. Yeah, uh, I have the uh, uh, Porter Ingle you mentioned it before, but Porter, Porter Inger, Portal Ingle, excuse me, riding a vector. Uh, reminiscent of Mace in the uh, Clone Wars, uh, the first Clone Wars series, right? <laughs> just yeah. Taking over a droid. Uh, the idea, oh God, I just moved. The, there's a, it's a, Indira, when when she sees uh, Elzar and, and Ty riding a dragon in the battle, just the great line of just like, who? oh, here it is. Elzar man was riding a dragon into the middle of a dogfight. Because who else would be? <laughs> Love that there. Uh, yeah, and there Lena so driving the walkers one stood out. But also, anytime Ty York is fighting, and I took it and dropped the G. Ty York fighting, it's uh, she's really good, really interesting character. Yeah, that was a great action moment. Uh, honestly, on the way to the big fair attack where uh, the nullifier is being uh, tested, and her yeah. lightsaber goes out just as she's about to uh, stab Elzar, but she does still stab him with the sharp points yeah. of her hilt. Yeah, <laughs> is a great moment. Yeah, um, yeah. So a couple for me. The Porter Angle one, I think in the in the way that's like the first kind of spark of hope in the battle of like, no, 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 let's pull ourselves out of it. Let's get together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the fact that he he doesn't just jump on the ship, right? He he leaps out of his own ship, sends it as basically an explosive device into another ship, then lands on a deer ship, then starts just sort of broadcasting his mind to everybody to try to bring them together. And we get that great callback to his chef days where India is just like, I, I see eggs. I guess I'm connected to Porter. <laughs> this such a, eggs too, yes. Yeah, great, great action moment of like, you old badass <laughs> being the one who to bring a little bit of hope back into the battle. Was, yeah. yeah, real fist pumping for me. Um, absolutely, Elzar man riding, riding a dragon. You know, we, we've heard that Elzar is the one who does things differently. It's great to see him do something differently. Yeah. And the, the throwing a lightsaber, uh, through the Nile ship and, and Ty even going like, you're going to show me how to do that one. Uh, just cool. Just cool. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I, well, I really like the moment, uh, where, uh, Stellan, uh, used his master's blade to kill the Trandoshan. You know, that was the, he, he went through so much with getting pummeled by yeah. that Trandoshan, getting other people in trouble. And uh, there's a little bit of the, you know, the force finds a way he's been carrying his master's blade around and it, it, it serves a purpose. Yeah. I like that a ton, but Ken, uh, perhaps my favorite action scene, uh, it's hard for me to even put into words how much I love this one. Uh, the Jedi archivist Orba Lynn yeah. <laughs> lecturing and fighting at the same time, just that, that big picture, how well it was set up that Orbelin kept coming along. It's first, he's just a, odd. He's mucus in a in a human suit. And people are like, oh, okay, Orbelin is going to talk our ear off. And it's a funny joke about a fair. Uh, but then I just thought it was like this great evolution of what was established in Light of the Jedi that 
all the Jedi see the Force differently. It's a song. It's an mm. ocean. It's a fire. And, uh, you know, I have a background as a, as a history person. So does my wife. When we met, we were both working for the Minnesota Historical Society. So I kind of have a, a soft spot for um, historians who mm. are, get so excited about old things and want to tell other people about them, you know, and, and be a tour guide at all moments. Uh, and this idea that maybe the way that Orba Lynn connects to the forces, it's not a song or an ocean. It's a history lecture. <laughs> it's how he sees the force. And then he can stay focused by lecturing the people who he's trying to absolutely just kick their asses. Mm. Uh, he can stay focused by lecturing. And then when it comes together with this great, Nobody pays attention to the Tythonian mastery tokens. Nobody thinks they're interesting. Nobody thinks they're valuable because the metal isn't valuable now, but it was back then because it's so heavy. And then throwing it through the Nile's heads was like this <laughs> beautiful, beautiful moment of all the, the cool threads of Orbelin coming together in a cool, badass action moment. I just yeah. loved it. I, 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 I love, I love, I love, it was, it was, it was a um, great sequence. Very memorable. Uh, when uh, he comes out of his, uh, his suit, Orbelin is an Ugor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking that up uh, also to uh, on Wikipedia distinctions, blob like, uh, indeed a lot of legend stuff with Ugors as well. This is not something tremendously new, but uh, in, in Canon, uh, uh, one was in a solo Star Wars story uh, there. Uh, on the uh, spaceport. So I love the use of that. I love when you go into the, the, the kind of the far reaches or seldom used parts of Star Wars and pull uh, these characters in and create something so memorable uh, that will stand out for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope to see see more of old Orbelin. Mm -hmm. uh, tons of action moments. We could go on and on. But uh, do you have any more before we go on to our next topic? No, there's one great. There's uh, I almost think there's a couple of times, but uh, Bell uh, force pushing the scav droids. Mm. On the ship. There's a couple of moments that, but it's just again it would be a great use of the medium when you, you a force push, but to go into what it actually kind of means. It, it makes me think of uh, Claudia Gray kind of writing what Qui Gon reforming himself to be a force ghost felt like, and and, and you know just kind of I love that kind of insight uh, from Star Wars writers. Yeah, there are a lot a lot of great moments with Bell. That moment where he does feel like he has earned being a Jedi Knight as he lifts up. Uh, you know all, all the the ship parts and, and stops the water and you know saves people is that that was a great fist pumping moment too mm -hmm. and uh maybe he'll still feel that way <laughs> after he's not curled up in a ball poor oh, bell poor uh so let's talk about canon lore moments um i did not write down every time something we know from star wars was mentioned this was a, a dense book in events but also just a dense book in terms of uh references and connections yeah um so uh, even with that caveat, the list is long. I'll uh, I'll go through some and see if there's some that we want to chat about. Mm -hmm. uh, I like the reference to the Statues of the Lost in the Jedi Archives and uh, the significance that Ty Yorick is not in it. Did that one grab you? Are you intrigued by those Statues of the Lost? I am. I'm very intrigued. Uh, my pal, former Force Center guest, Billy Patterson, we talk about those Lost 20 all the time. We want stories <laughs> on Lost 20. Yeah, so I love even just a mention of them. And, and uh, important that Ty's not in that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, been one of the just intriguing tip of the iceberg possibilities since Attack of the Clones. Uh, I'm sure it's been explored in, in some uh, more EU stuff, but in terms of modern canon, kind of getting into that a little bit more, uh, I would love that. And, and to know that it's 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 been there for a while. Uh, in that prologue, uh, we, of course, are going to Ashla uh, with... 
Elzar, the moon of Tython. Tython, of course, we have seen recently uh, when Din Djarin went there and didn't understand anything about the Jedi whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> on the moon of Tython. So that's a nice, fun connection. A lot of little bits of information that is uh, coming from other High Republic books or comic books in particular. Uh, like the Dringer in infestation of Nal Hutta, and a little bit of a suggestion I thought of, like, well, Nal Hutta kind of looked different before the Dringar infested it. Yeah, yeah. How did you feel about that one? Uh, it's an interesting story. The stuff with the Dringer, uh, the, just we know Avar's kind of off dealing with that, and and what that uh, you know begs uh, more stories to be told. It just was the way it was even described of like this: we're dealing with the sphere and all this stuff, and then they're also like, yeah, also these plants are destroying worlds. I was just like, go, go, go over there. <laughs> yeah, and if you are interested in that thread, uh, that's from the uh, the high. Right now, there's the High Republic comic, and then there's the High Republic Adventures. Uh, the High Republic comic is uh, following uh, adventures of Secure, the Trandosian Jedi who lost his arm in Light of the Jedi, and Avar Chris, and the other character from there, King Trevis. But bunch of great Jedi, but it's really following through uh, both uh, adventures and in clarifications with the Drenger, as well as uh, Avar Chris making this deal with the Huts, mm. I think if I'm, I'm all caught up on the comic books as of last night, I think this book is getting slightly ahead of where the comics are. So there's mm. a little bit of fun hints of, of what is to come. Mm. They keep talking about Avar being occupied on Maluta. And I think that's a story that we're going to yeah. be seeing in the comic books is my understanding. Yeah. Uh, there's a mention of uh, a Clone Wars favorite, uh, Professor Yang and the ship Crucible, yeah. uh, where the Jedi put their lightsabers together. That was a thrill to hear because I love that arc in Clone Wars and that character. Uh, were you, were you uh, happy for that one, Ken? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that. I wasn't uh, as happy as I was for the next character, though. <laughs> this was this was a big one. Uh, one of the Jedi that we adore, one that I've uh, really talk about a lot anytime uh what jedi would you like to i'm like mm, this guy uh he only features prominently in one episode of the clone wars lightsaber lost he's in the background of other episodes uh but it is the one the only the great Terra sanube mm. uh mr lightsaber kane himself <laughs> is featured in this and they they discuss him as being that young jedi uh he's a marshal on dara it was so great uh i was just just thrilled i was i kept wondering because, you know, you have different ages for different species. You don't know. I kept yeah. wondering if he was going to pop up. And if all it is is just a tease, just the knowledge that young Terrasanube is having adventures during the High Republic, I'll be satisfied. But if we could also get an entire uh, spinoff series, The Adventures of Young Terrasanube, oh. I'd be thrilled. Yeah, that's a comic book waiting to happen. <laughs> well, did you have any sort of uh, reaction or thoughts to Terrace I mean, Anubay? Big reaction. I, I think we even communicated uh, around this time. It's like, have you got to page 87? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, love it. Yeah, absolutely great. And I think it, it is really fun to just sort of connect all these dots from across all these different uh, bits of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um some other stuff, uh, obviously, the first book dealt a lot with the uh, advancement of this new Bakta technology and the importance of it uh, being farmed. It's great then to see Bell in the Bakta tank to have that story continued. Uh, there is a mention of a Jedi temple on Naboo and that Elzar served there. I'm just always hungry for more uh, yeah. Naboo stories in different time periods so a jedi temple on naboo just thrilled me to no end how did you feel about that one well it, it works for elzar because you know you imagine him looking over uh what we know as lake como in the real world just looking at, i mean come on yeah how many secret kisses has, has he had there elzar. yeah yeah how many times did he sun himself on the beach yeah. trying to guess the names of the birds singing right yeah 
Yeah, it's probably <laughs> some, uh, uh, you know, uh, someone from the Naberi line. He probably wooed. I'm on to you, Alzar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, in a very uh, old relative of uh, Apollo, uh, maybe. <laughs> Uh, page 118 uh, mentions uh, tourists at the fair uh, taking image scans. Uh, image scans is what the uh, people at uh, Galaxy's Edge call photos. <laughs> sometimes subtly, sometimes not subtly. It's that great uh, trying to keep you in universe when you, uh, you know, will approach uh, the actor playing Vimerati and like, can I take a photo of you? An image scan? Sure. <laughs> Uh, love that. There that was, was a fun level of meta. Yeah, the meta indeed. There's a lot of uh, I mentioned like the news stuff with the news producer and anchor and Holonet's news stuff. It's like there was a lot of um, kind of real world, like modern, not necessarily terminology, but just you just you get a sense that this was Galaxy's Edge a couple of times, not Batu, but just a theme park and and real world. Even Rec Punk, which has been introduced already prior to this, it's just it's such a wonderful kind of real world thing that we're not used to in Star Wars sometimes, and I I love the use of them. Yeah, like Hoverball is another thing that got yeah. shout out out like that, yep. which was great. Um, and you, uh, you mentioned this at the very top of the podcast. Uh, there is an exhibit called Secrets of the Jedi, <laughs> which just is a book in the real world. Yeah, so, uh, certainly not the same thing uh, because that's written by Luke. So that would be mind blowing if they had the actual. <laughs> or Blin's got some some stories to tell <laughs> if that's true. But uh, that was great, mm-hmm. great shout out. Uh, clawfish chowder mentioned. I uh, don't know if it's colo clawfish, but I like to think so. Yeah. Um, the Unetti tree is one of these threads in Star Wars that I really, really love. Uh, pops up many different places. These sacred Jedi trees, great stuff in Shattered Empire, uh, great stuff in The Last Jedi, in The Clone Wars. Uh, but Unetti blossoms, I believe, were on display. And I think Stellan mentions enjoying Unetti tea. Yeah. I, I just, I love that idea. Like, there's a sacred tree and we interact with it, yeah. or trees, and we interact with them in lots of different ways. Yeah. Like, and of course, Stellan would have a Unetti tea. Come on. Yeah, come on. He's so Jedi. He's all in. I'm sure he would like to lecture on the best way <laughs> to make it, too. Uh, the character that Ty York encounters in the prison, Ram Jamaram, <laughs> covered in Greece, a Padawan covered in Greece, uh, will be the star of the book that, that came out the same day, uh, Race to Crash Point Tower. Uh, so that will be great to see his adventures. Uh, there's a, a Frick staff. Uh, which is a medal that got mentioned a lot in Legends that has been sneaking back into canon. Uh, Sidious's hilts are made from Frick for his lightsabers. Mm. So that was great. A uh, lot of characters from other books. Uh, Vern, uh, Ob- Vernestra Rowe, obviously, uh, from uh, w- one of the great uh, middle reader books. Uh, Ken, why am I spacing on the title of that one? Uh, Test of Courage. Test of Courage, Test of yes. Courage. yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, Lula, Taliosa, Zine, those are all characters from the High Republic Adventures comics. Uh, just two more I wanted to talk, touch mm-hmm. on, Ken. Uh, the mention of a dead Gungan at yeah. the fair, I felt very sad for the Gungan, <laughs> but I was thrilled by the canon implications of a Gungan out in space. Yeah. And is this a picture of, you know, uh, were they leaving the planet a lot? Because they're kind of keeping to themselves, it seems like, in The Phantom Menace. Or was this before the Troubles on Naboo? Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, an off-world Gungan. That's it's a good thing. Uh, I like this idea, Gungan out and about in the galaxy. What a what a, what a a short story to experience, except for this poor uh, Gungan, not so much. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'd love to know a little bit more of the history. You and I just did the big uh, Boss Nass Throne of Judgment episode, and just uh, when did the relationships go sour? Was it for generations upon generations, or was it some recent development? Stay tuned. 
Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those like, ooh, I don't know if there already is an answer for that or if there's an answer yeah. planned, but it's just one of those little moments that that makes you go, ooh, wow, there's even more to explore in this world we like. Totally. Uh, final thing for me, I I liked when Stellan was was thinking like, okay, we're going to get through this, then maybe Elzar and I are going to go to Jeddah, and we're just, we're really going to get centered. <laughs> uh, I was so thrilled by this, because that's just, that's just kind of what I want the next book to be, is Elzar and Stellan <laughs> go to Jeddah together. Uh, did you respond to that one? I absolutely did. Uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, uh, I, look, at, look into a close friend and go, do you want to go to Vegas this weekend? Yeah, let's go center ourselves. Maybe Vegas isn't the place. But <laughs> it had, it had a uh, Elzar and Stellan's uh, big day out type of uh, vibe. And uh, even though it's uh, with great importance and spiritual need and desire uh, and clarity needed to, behind all that, I'd love to see it as well. Yeah, we've seen Jeddah under the boot of the Empire. We've seen Jeddah in, in ashes. Yeah. It would be great to see Jeddah at its prime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's just some of the things. There's, there's so many. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Ken? Nothing that really uh, is uh, different here. Yeah, there's a lot. And, and, and I wouldn't expect any less. Kevin Scott is so good at uh, taking and so soul. Any of these comic book writers uh, in Star Wars, they, they have the ability to just kind of pull from so many places and video games and comics and novels and shows and legends and everything kind of starts flowing in. I I am I'm, I was waiting to turn the corner and have like Jackson's great 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 grandfather be there too as well, <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know a hot dab I bet Kevin would make that work too. But yeah, it's it's so it's kind of fun. And then to look at because I was just reading one of trying to catch up on Star Wars comics too, and one of the uh, one of the one of the huts has kind of like a, a he's he comes in and out of uh, he's kind of losing a little see now and he's talking about dealing with Lena Cell, you know. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It was like yeah, oh was here great. we go flared it yeah. Yeah, oh, that was one other thing that I did want to to touch on because I think it is one of the things where you, you don't need to follow along, but you you work for it and it's mm-hmm. there. Um, that the story in the in Daniel Jose Older's comic book, mm-hmm. uh, the High Republic Adventures, is r- really filling in some pieces of in light of the Jedi. There is the the purple glowing thing mm-hmm. that he already has that he talks about his family having had for a long time, uh, Marky and Ro, mm-hmm. and then in that comic book. He is on the hunt for another artifact. And then the implication at the end of the rising storm is he put those two things together to become that staff that allows him to sort of direct the leveler. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I, I love that about, about Roe. It's, it's, uh, it's almost like he's the Indiana Jones villain, just finding these ancient horrors and terrors and putting them together. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. And I think they're walking a pretty good line with the high Republic where they're trying to make it accessible where you could yep. just read light of the Jedi and the rising storm and you'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, but if you really want to dive deep and go, ooh, Yoda saw a purple thing in his comics. That's the same purple thing for the book. Like you can get the reward of diving deep too. Yeah. Oh, t- oh totally. It, 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 it's I, I, you don't feel lost. I don't think you do. No, not at all. All right. Uh, Ken, was there anything that you wrestled with? Anything that didn't work for you on a subjective uh, personal taste level in this book? Uh, not necessarily. No, we talked already that there's a short, punchy chapters, uh, which I uh, enjoy more than a, a chapter, uh, you know, Alphabet Squadron stuff. Sometimes they're dense chapters broken up to four long parts. I, I Alexander Fried's a great author. That's not a slide on him, but it's just I, I enjoy the punchy version of this. It feels fast, feels moving. But there a lot of times you you I don't necessarily for, for me, this is not a uh, you, you got to stay focused at times. Uh, in the big battle, uh, uh, there's a lot going on and a lot of characters and a lot of things uh, bouncing back and forth. And so uh, if you happen to be listening to this episode now and haven't even touched the book, um, 
make sure you clear a Sunday afternoon. Give yourself an hour. Don't have uh, Netflix going. No, you did it. There's a lot going on. That's um, nothing that I had a problem with, just on a personal taste level. Um, There's a couple moments where I was like, all right, let me, let me go back. And, and I did get some clarity by rereading a chapter or two. Um, and it's okay. And, it, and like, I'll, I'll learn a lesson from Elzar. It's okay to admit that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I really loved uh, this book. I don't have any sort of criticism of this book, but it was really interesting to see the light of the Jedi and then the rising storm that this is generally uh, the goal of these books is to tell the story of the era, which means there's going to be, you know, characters that you can have like a fun debate of what, who, who's the main character, who are the four mainish characters, but it's going to be a tale of an era which means it's going to be borderline overwhelming with the amount of characters, the amount of information, the amount of different stories, individual stories you're following within the big story of this era. So I love this book, but there are definitely some moments that I felt um, like overwhelmed, sometimes in like a good way, like emotionally I'm supposed to be overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. But then honestly, just like I, I was disappearing into the book and then being like, okay, uh, I found eight, notes that I feel I should write down <laughs> uh, and really feeling like that. I want to finish this chapter so I can write them down. So it's not a criticism of the book. That's what the book is and it does its job well. But reading it did make me hope for more stories within the High Republic that focus on just a handful of characters. And you can really feel like mm-hmm. I've invested in these three characters. They're on this journey. I, I think um, a test of car- courage is really enjoyable because of that. Cause you're, you're just, you're with those characters. Um, yeah. And I think I just want a, a balance of these big, uh, huge books that have just a ton of characters, a, a ton of stories to tell the one big story. And then I also want some some smaller focused stories so we can really spend some quality time with all the amazing characters they're introducing us to. Yeah, I'm really interested to check out Race to Crash Point Tower now. We, we were already going to check it out, but now uh, go, going into that battle or going into this book and then focusing on a on a corner with with, with Ram, that's gonna it's really intriguing to me right now. Yeah, yeah, and then that's a, a really cool pattern uh, for these books uh, that the adult one is focusing on kind of a big main event, and then we get to see lots of people's uh, approach and reaction to that event. Yeah. Uh, all right, um, do you have hopes? for the future of these particular characters, uh, this uh, sort of big picture story of uh, High Republic, what are your wants for what's next? I, I touched on some of what I want. I, I, I think Lena So is such a fascinating character and in such an important uh, uh, position in the galaxy and in the story. And I hope, number one, she recovers and recovers well. And I hope that we see how she deals with the the storm that's going to come uh, after her now and, and, and Senator Toon, which is, I do think could have been just a, Surface level, kind of one-off, political bad guy. Uh, there's some layers there that are intriguing and interesting, and whether or not it's him or not, just to, to, to carry out that thread. I, I, we, and I, I know you agree, but it's, we do love the pol- politics of the galaxy being center stage in these books, and I really hope that we get uh, more with Lena So. Yeah. Does any part of you feel like Lena So is not going to make it, that her injuries are worse than, than we are being led to believe? Yes. It's a little Battlestar Galactica to me in a good way. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think I got that feeling of uh, that she is possibly aware that I can, uh, I've survived this tragedy long enough to set 
up what comes next, which would be a really interesting story for me. I'd be thrilled if she survived because she's a great yeah. character and a fascinating character. But I think it'd be a really interesting way to test this great vision, this great belief that she has in unity and that she is sharp enough to know it's a beautiful philosophy. But in order to get everybody on board, I need to package it uh, and, and that she's aware of that. And I, I think that is a truth, in my opinion that there are some difficult things that can be accomplished if the right charismatic leader is there. Mm -hmm. And that'd be a great story if Lena's like, I want my great works to continue. And I know I'm kind of this unique personality that can help make that happen. I need to set up the next person to, to take the baton to finish my great works would be an interesting story. Yeah. 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 Uh, well said. Uh, I, and I hope it's kind of what you're describing to me, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's almost uh, a tragic, but peaceful passing maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked a lot about the, the real world kind of connections to the, the Kennedy era. And obviously we know what happens with JFK, not necessarily a direct one-to-one -one comparison, by the way. I just, what happens to that era where that leader you're describing is removed, gone, done. And, and how do you, how does the society deal with it and how does it change and how does it force them to grow up? Maybe not in all the best ways. And what is it and who comes in after is 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 scary or intriguing or just an interesting story so there's something in that that just kind of i feel yeah i feel you i feel you're right i don't i don't know how long she's going to be around yeah yeah and, and i also think that there is some i think that kennedy camelot thing is is spot on but there's also this element of fdr that's being really mm -hmm. uh, evoked of his new deal of coming out of uh you know mm -hmm. uh, uh tragic times of like look we need to pull ourselves uh together and obviously that was a, a real life story of of you know charisma he's the reason that there are term limits for presidents <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. uh so if you're dealing with somebody who's like i made big change that maybe people weren't sure if they were gonna like but uh, it helped people mm -hmm. Uh, but it, some of it's being held together by the power of me, my yeah. charisma as leader is, you know, that, that I'm really intrigued by. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great and I think correct pull as well. And perhaps even a, a similar kind of um, parting in a way. Yeah. 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 Um, are there any specific characters adventures that you're most interested in following coming off of, uh, you know, who are you going like, okay, but I want to know what happens next to X. Yeah. And I, I don't think we've mentioned her much here, but I, and I know she is going to get content uh, coming her way. L Lorna D is, is really interesting to me on the Nile side. Uh, there's a lot there. Skilled fighter. We've seen a lot going on, how she's playing the politics of, of, uh, of the, the Nile. She's, I don't know, dare I say the most level-headed of the Tempest runners we've met so far. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we learn more of her story, this uh, a, 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 a Twi'lek in Star Wars uh, is is a tradition uh, going back to Return of the Jedi. But it's just like, I'd love to, ex I can't wait, I should say, because I know we are going to explore. I, and I think with good reason, because when they announced that project, which I believe was, an, is it an audio drama? I think, even I think so. Kevin Scott is doing uh, okay, because we've only spent one book with her, and we don't spend a ton of time, I think, with the Nile. We we, we do, but you know, I, I think the focus is obviously on on the Jedi. Um, she, I, I'm like, yeah, I get it. There's something to this character. I want to know more about it. Even to the point where I thought this is not. I wouldn't say this is even a wild prediction, but I thought of all the Nile who might go good, I could see her doing it. Uh, right, because she, yeah, she is centered and thinking about what's best for her. Yes. You know, which is a, a kind of selfishness, but she's not just like this raw, angry domination that like yeah. Pan Etcha and, and we learned Roe is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Rose, Rose intriguing in a big, bad villain way, too. But uh, there's something about her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I think uh, for me, the characters I'm, I'm most interested in following is uh, I, I want Stellan and Elzar to go to Jeddah. <laughs> I absolutely do want that to happen. Uh, I think the cliffhanger with Bell, you know, Bell is such a mm-hmm. vision of the future of the next generation. He's now going to go through this confirmed loss of Loden, this second different kind of grieving. And then he's been uh, forced to to feel this utter pain of whatever the leveler did to him of feeling a total loss of hope and the fact that i want bell to come out of that and his master is one of the jedi that this book uh, you know proves is the most centered of indira so i kind of want to see indira take bell on a journey of recovery oh yeah that'd be absolutely uh and and, and indira in the spotlights that's nothing but a good thing and kind of uh the fact that yeah, bell all through it is is kind of not downplaying, but just like I miss Loden. I mean, India is cool. <laughs> just I love the yeah. On that. And you kind of would be like, you know, Bell. Really, accept how awesome Indira is yeah. because you, you got a great teacher there, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I would love to see her be one of the more main characters as she helps guide Bell on his next step. Yeah, totally. Uh, do you think ultimately that the the Jedi are going to find balance in their battle against the Nile? Are they going to struggle with? Is this uh, defending or is this attacking? Uh, are we giving into our fear of them? How do you think the Jedi are going to handle that balance? I, 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 I think, yes, I think in the end, uh, it's not that it's a matter that they're going to win, but I think, uh, the, the, not that the drain gear, the, the bigger problem, I think this is a pretty giant problem, but I think they're going to look inside and figure it out and maybe figure it out in a way that, uh, future generations of the Jedi should, and maybe fail to figure it out. Um, I think uh, setting a template, not that it's not, not going to be problems, but uh, I'd love to feel at the end of this, whatever the battle with the Nile is, that, hey, this is maybe how you're supposed to ask yourself these big questions, but still fight and still save the day and still protect. Yeah, yeah. And I think on the way there for like next books, I'm really hoping to see some uh, intriguing fracture in the order of some being like, no, you know, it is what it is. The These Nile are merciless. Uh, they've shown that again and again. And for us to defend the innocent, we, we got to go to them and, and take them out. I mean, they are going to the Nile and, and trying to, uh, you know, address the threat at the end of this book. But seeing even more of, you know, are they going to give in to fear once they start to figure out they got this leveler thing? We don't even know exactly what it is, you yeah. know, or maybe they do and, and they, they give in to that fear of the ancient. I think there'd be some great opportunities for really seeing you see a hint of it in this book of fracture within the high council fracture within the mm. order of, you know, how do we defend the galaxy without giving in to just attacking and fear? Yeah. Mm, yeah. And, and I'm kind of hoping big picture for high Republic, uh, that obviously they'll have a victory, uh, because, uh, Mark Yenro is not the leader of the galaxy in the Phantom Menace. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you could live that long, I, I'm hoping that they, they have a victory that leaves them with the scars that, that lead the Jedi to the rigidity and complacency that we see them having in the prequels. Yeah. No, the prequel warning signs we were talking about earlier, the warning bells going off. I, I think it's intriguing. It's fun. And it all kind of flows into one story there. Oh, and the one, and the one thing we do, uh, we do need finally Yoda to show up with some Bermuda shorts and a, and a <laughs> funny hat. He got on a vacation and have, uh, you know, all the younglings behind him and him go, how's it going? Everyone's like, Oh, where have you been? Oh, Yoda. Yoda. Yeah, I like that moment of hope, too, in the book. It's like, is Yoda here, too? Like, sorry. Sorry, no. <laughs> and look, it's a good way to handle it. it it's, a, it's a big question, right? You know, um, uh, you know, we, we, you know, you can't. I like that they, he's not there yet, and we know he will eventually. 
Yeah, and I mean, and he's in those High Republic Adventures comics. Yes. Uh, and being very Yoda, offering uh, pastry snacks to the younglings and all that. And there's a hint in the, the most recent issue of where, where he's maybe going or, the, or that he's going, but it, it'll be great to see that story as well. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about uh, that you wanted to touch on? Um, and my own charhound is barking in the background. I apologize for hearing that. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I really enjoyed this. I'm happy. I love, uh, I really love how you're saying these books are about the era. They really are about the era. Uh, and th- not that there's not lead characters and supporting characters and all in between, but, uh, really enjoying this era continues to be a, a big victory for what they're, uh, what they're putting together and what they have put together. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my final thing about the book itself is just, uh, I mean, continuing to enjoy this era. If you love the Jedi, wow, you just get everything you ever wanted from the Jedi, from the fist pumping action moments to the great philosophy and the way the two interconnect. And this specific book, Rising Storm, it's really great after reading so many Star Wars books in the last uh, few years and, and entire throughout my entire life. This book is truly a different experience. It's structured differently. It moves differently. It, it is a, like a, a tragedy uh, mm-hmm. of action. It's a yeah. really different book, and that's a, a thing to celebrate when uh, a book can uh, celebrate all of these themes of Star Wars that are consistent throughout Star Wars, but really approach them from a, a different way is a real thrill. Yeah. Um, and with that, I'm going to ask a fun question to wrap up, Ken, and then you can get to your charhound. If you were trying to survive the Republic Fair, which Jedi would you want protecting you? I I mean, I love Elzar, man, but I'm not going with, it's Indira Stokes. It's clearly <laughs> the right answer here. Elzar, I might end up squished or interrupt in a makeout session. I, I know. I, so I'm going Indira Stokes. Yeah, it's, it's Indira for me. And then if Indira is not available, uh, I would like to hear the history lesson of Orbelin. Uh, is he... Right, right. And it defends me. And then my backup choice is my, my, my guy Porter, so we can have a good meal afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but he's got the earworm. He's he's humming the uh, Unity and Song song. So. That's all right. I love Disneyland. I, I go in small, small world every time. I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I should I should really give Orberlin full credit. Uh, he, he helps get the journalist uh, where she needs to be, and she makes connection. That's she true. reaches out to the galaxy. And so uh, didn't didn't mean to insult Orberlin by choosing him second. Yeah. Indira or Orberlin would be fine. Anyway, with that, we're going to wrap up here quickly. Uh, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We are the Force Center Podcast. We'll be found on Twitter, Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Uh, our podcast available in a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at Patreon on at patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, we have got uh, the top tier. If you support, you get some trading cards of me, Joseph, and Jennifer Landa, designed by the great Brian Ward. Uh, you can follow me at Cadnapsock. Go to my website, cadnapsock.com. And you, Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for all the charhounds out there, this has been Force Center.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.